currently in the middle of the weirdest breakup in the history of mankind it's the it's a slow roll and it's and it's there's a brutality to it that's hard to describe well i mean apparently though my version of what i'm doing is probably at least in my mind it's like the best version of it i've ever seen but it's still like it's it's always hard on somebody right and i I get the sense that it's hard on her and it's hard on me, but neither of us want to let that on. You know what I mean? Because we yeah. still have so much stuff we need to do. Like it can't be a clean break because of how our lives are set up. Um, so it's not like she can just like pick up and leave tomorrow. You know what I mean? Right. Are we talking about this on the show or is this just us talking? We might as well just talk about it on the show. Fuck it. So we're going to leave that part in? Sure. Why not? Okay. Well, it's up to you. <laughs> well, I... I'm 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 in this new phase of my life where I want I want to be as honest about all of the things that I experience as possible and this one's one of those it's it there's such I think there's a useful brutality in it um you know because it, it, in my estimation I think I'm doing it right but obviously doing it right has its own price um and that's and that's something I kind of want to get across All right so let's uh Let's go through our our warm up, you know, and let's get into that stuff. Let's 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 really get deeper into that when we're actually warmed up at the end of the show. Sure. Okay. I think it I think it fits there. Um, I don't know. Like I think I feel like we burn ourselves out on this stuff early. So let's talk about ridiculous shit first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, my my list is pretty dense anyway. So I mean, the, the warm up is going to be. It's less brutal than this stuff, but it's still it's still it's difficult in its own way too. God, what am, what's wrong with me? Yeah, I looked at yours. I'm like, whoa, heavy, heavy, heavy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's let's roll into some of your shit, Chad. Your your stuff is definitely not as heavy as mine is. Well, let's do do our follow ups first. Um, how'd writing the song go? Oh man, it is. I'm not entirely done with it yet, but I got pretty close. Um. And as one would expect, it's like the saddest thing I've ever attempted to do. Um, and it's even hard for me to read the lyrics. <laughs> it's a good time that, to, to do those, though, you know, like that's a good take that energy and channel it into something. Yeah. And so, I mean, at some point, I think I may throughout the course of the show, I may read some of the lyrics at some point. Um, you know, I don't have the wherewithal to perform the song on the show. That's a little, that's a little ambitious, um, but I can... We could I play don't. a recording though when you get to a point where you're pleased with it. Yeah, I got to figure out... I'm actually pretty damn pleased with it. Um, the problem is I just don't have a way to record it at the moment, so I got to mm-hmm. figure that out. Well, we will be here. I don't think we're going anywhere. By the way, another thing, a little update on me too. I don't know why, but I just have like a renewed sense of... I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I saw I'm your, I saw your, I saw your, your full on flaming of the uh, Instagram account. Yeah, we'll get into I'm that very, in a little while. Yeah, I'm very <laughs> curious as to to what led to the the final chopping of the the, the cord on that one. Yeah, we we will get there. It's not just that; it's much much broader. Um, so my my challenge last week was to not use Amazon, and I failed. I failed within two days. <laughs> I literally failed within two days because. Um, 
So I, I think I mentioned before, you know, I haven't been, I know I mentioned I haven't been using the Apple Watch, but I, I think I mentioned I wanted to get an analog watch. You know how fucking hard that is to do in the real world? <laughs> I'm not kidding. You know how hard it is to find a decent watch right now without ordering it online? Oh, I Nobody wants to stock that. them. Sure. I went to, um, first I went to the internet and I looked all around because I was, I was determined to do things. Um, I wanted to find a mom and pop. I wanted to go to a mom and pop. You know, I'm just going to buy a watch. I'm going to go buy it from somebody who needs my money. You know what I mean? Sure. I could not find a single in, we live in a, one of the biggest cities in the fucking country. And I could not find is literally a mom and pop watch store or, you know, time store. I don't know what the hell you call them. Time um, store. <laughs> That'd be cool if there was such a thing as a time store. Well, I, 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 I'm just throwing that out as like the blanket term for where you buy watches and wall clocks. I don't know what the fuck they used to call those. Timekeeping store, right? Isn't that what they called it? Well, I get the sense that you just looked in the wrong place. I don't think it's, I don't think it's physically possible to just maintain an environment in which you're only selling watches. Right. Um, so, I mean, the, the last place I looked for such a thing was uh, at Macy's. Um, and I found some there, you know. It was the only place I could think of. And I didn't, and I couldn't, I couldn't get there. I went to Target. You know, Target used to have a counter, like what you're talking about at Macy's. Well, actually, the ones at Macy's are nice because they have like five or six wraparound counters full of watches. Sure. Target used to have one. Um, but now they just have like, I, I, I walked through, they just remodeled the Target by my house. So I'm, I'm walking around. I don't know where the fuck anything is in there anymore. And I'm walking around and finally I asked somebody and they're like, oh, I think it's over there in the men's department. So now I'm wandering through the men's department like a, a lost, you know, like a lost puppy. I'm like, what? <laughs> Where are these watches? You know, like, what are they hidden under the fucking shoes here? Do I have to like lift up the the hanger of a coat and then shake the pants and then a secret passage opens up? Where the fuck are these things? So I had to go ask another person and they're like, oh, actually, it's funny. People give uh, younger kids in retail a bad reputation. This is a young young guy, probably maybe like 15, 16. Walk me all the way across the store, patiently, not rushing. Walk me across the store. He's like, right here. And then walked away. I was like, wow. Oh, cool. Yeah. So we get there and it's it's like literally, it's, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like these little stackable things on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> with watches set up on them and there's like 40 watches total and like you know it's it's really only like seven watches because you know there's iterations of colors and they're all less than $20. I'm like oh oh man okay fuck this you know so then I went to CVS I'm like maybe CVS still has watches nope and so then that's why I ended up ordering from Amazon and then I ended up buying a cheap watch anyways because I was like fuck it I mean, your your other hope is to go to a specific store like Fossil or something like that. Yeah, but then I don't I, I don't want to go to one brand. That's the thing. I mean, oh, sure. I it's hard. I, I bought it. That's the reason I bought a cheap one this time. Because first of all, buy the cheap one, wear it around for a while. If I like having an analog watch again, then I'm ready to invest. And when I invest, I'm going to buy a three four hundred dollar watch. I'm going to buy like a real watch that's going to last me for a long time. Sure. But I want to take this. I got a T. I got like a forty dollars Timex. It's it's nice. It looks nice or whatever. It's got a military band, whatever the hell that is. NATO strap they call it. I just learned this shit. <laughs> so, anyways, I failed, but I failed with reason. Um, I did resist buying anything else though, and I had many many opportunities. 
Yeah. So at least you used you used it to fulfill a challenge. Yeah. And I did really try not to and try to find alternative ways. I didn't go to it. It, it was more about, you know, like reducing that in, instantaneous, you know, trigger point. Like I can buy that on Amazon and then buy it. Sure. This is so many things. I'm sure you've done it. I'm sure everybody listening has done it. You, you go like, oh, that's a good idea to buy that thing. And then you buy it because it's so easy and it comes to you so fast. And then like, you know, three weeks later, you realize you're like, oh, I didn't really need that thing or I didn't really want that thing or I wanted something else. So you got like this pile up of like fucking Amazon purchases that you're like, oops. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm pretty meticulous though. So that usually doesn't happen to me. Like I, I'm, I'm the kind of person even with online purchases where I kind of do like copious research. Mm. Yeah, well, you know what happens to me when I do copious research. So that's yeah, out the that's window. True. That's a good point, yeah. I'll never buy fucking anything. Yeah, a, a paralysis by analysis. Yeah, yeah, totally. Too long. I'll go, oh, is this the best website? And then I'll end up researching, like, is this the best website to look at for this information? <laughs> well, and then you're going to start examining, like, the sociological effects yeah. of online shopping versus regular shopping and what the differences are. Who does this website make money from? Do they have yeah, a reason definitely. to recommend me Amazon links? You know? Yeah, the, the rabbit the rabbit holes you dive into are probably not good for buying a watch. <laughs> yeah. And for anybody listening, I don't have anything against Amazon. In all honesty, I think they've they've built a, a good company. I mean there there are there are problems with all big companies. They all do fucked up shit. Um but compared to what a lot of other companies are doing right now, they're not my worry right now. It was more about me. Sure. Um other two quick follow ups. Oxen free, I'm gonna guess you haven't had a chance to play it yet. Oh no. Oh no. Digital minimalism. How's that one going? <laughs> Have you dipped into that yet? Um no, I haven't even looked at it, to be honest with you. I mean I've been so preoccupied. I mean, you know what's going on right now. Right. I mean, there's there's so much at the very end of things like this, the dismantle process is such a monumental process. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. All right. Well let's no, talk about the one thing. Well, one thing we do have in common, unless there's anything on my list that you just didn't move up into that section yet. Did you look oh, at any of the things I on my list yet? I did not know I was supposed to move things up. Yeah, that's what the blue section's for. Um, uh, damn it. Okay. What Sorry. can I move up? What do we what, what, what are we share in common on this list? What did you look at? All right. Let me dive back into the list again. Holy crap. Um, um, for, the, for the listeners, I'll dump into the thing that, uh, from your list that I checked out. I checked out the TV show you told me about, The Expanse. Uh-huh. That is a boring fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> it gets better, but does, I'm, I'm six episodes in. Yeah, it's it's it, it's very slow. It's very it's very Dune esque in that sense. Is that there's a lot of talk and a ton of setup. Um, so there, yeah, you definitely have to kind of give it a chance. Um, and I think it's definitely one of those shows where it's probably good to have it going on in the background. See, my, my, my one thing was, I, number one, I, I, I found myself spacing out a lot while I was watching it, which is kind of a funny pun considering it's a space show. Uh, um, but I think, and so I actually, I instead of just coming in here, you know, with like no explanation, I'm, I'm like, you know, why would we talk about TV show if I don't have something to say? So I actually, I, I sat and I thought about it. I'm like, why is this boring? You know, like I'm looking at it, I'm like, you know, like what's theoretically what's happening should be exciting. You know, like there's all, you know, there's mis- they're looking for somebody that's lost and this ship is blown up and this ship is blown up and there's intrigue going on and all of this and I'm bored. What's going on? 
and I think it's just shit writing. Um, they <laughs> they did the and it's not shit writing in the sense that the the, the dialogue's bad or you know that the it's that they don't who's writing this doesn't understand what it's like to watch a television show. <laughs> you can't throw fifty balls at somebody's head and expect them to catch all of them. You gotta you gotta throw the balls at a pace where people can catch them. And they throw when they throw too much at you to digest, then you space out because your brain overloads. You know, your brain turns off. You know, maybe that's kind of just where I was and the reason why I like the show so much is because I loved that about it. Yeah, because like to me, I'm like that the first episode, what did they introduce? Like twenty twenty characters? Sure. Yeah, and like a bunch of people that, would die later, but you you know what they, they do? I actually thought it was a great thing they did for the show, but it also makes it extremely difficult, which is they don't really explain anything. Right. I don't have a problem with that. That's, okay. I mean, that's if you jump in, if you throw somebody in, the, I don't like the whole, like, let me tell you the whole backstory here. That's, oh, yeah, that's, that's that. bad viewing too. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but it's, it's spread, spread shit out. You know, like, I don't know if it's a, it was a budget constraint where they're like, well, we don't have time to make this into four episodes, so we have to fit it into one. Yeah, and or they didn't even know if they were going to be renewed, so they just had to squeeze it into the story the best they could. Yeah, it's just, it's. I mean, like, it's not even that too many things are happening, because in reality, there's not that many things happening. It's just there's too many fucking people, and they don't make it... The two things that they failed to do, and I'm saying they because I have no idea who wrote it. It could just be one person. Um, what they failed to do is a really good show, or a great show. When you watch it, you know what characters you have to remember and what characters are just kind of less important, right? Sure. You know, like uh, even Game of Thrones in the first three episodes of the first season of Game of Thrones, they had trouble with this too. So, um, it, although they it's were funny, it's, it's funny. I literally was going to say Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones is the worst example of that I've ever seen. It was so confusing. And, and keep in mind, this is confusing for, for me. I read the books and it was confusing for me. Well, I think... The, Game of Thrones did better theoretically than this show does, but what the problem Game of Thrones had is those fucking names. Uh, you know, like um, shit. I can't even remember the characters' names <laughs> anymore. Uh, Tyrion and what the hell was the dad's name? Tywin. Yeah, Tyrion, Tywin. You're like fuck. Which one's which? It, there's all these names in there that 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 made it really difficult. It took till it was episode four where I clicked in and I'm like, oh, I like this show. Um, sure. This show, I'm six episodes in, and I'm still like, mm, I'm not sure. I also don't like any of the characters, um, <laughs> except for maybe Miller. Um, but the other thing that they, they they seems lacking is there doesn't seem to be a driving heart to the show. You sure. know, like I, I'm watching it, and there's things happening, but I'm like, what the fuck is this show about? Yeah, I don't, sure. I don't have I don't have a a foothold to go. Oh, this show is, you know, like, sure, you can say something general. Like, this show is what it's like when Earth and Mars are two different uh, two different governments, and then there's this thing called the belt between them, and it's about the interplay between the... That's not the explanation of what a show is about. You know, like um, <laughs> like the Odyssey. What's the Odyssey about? A guy trying to get home from war. That's what the Odyssey is about. Yeah. Anything longer than that is an explanation of plot. I don't want an explanation of plot. I want to know what the show is about. What's the theme? And it doesn't have a clear one. So I'm, I, I think I space out too because I'm like, so why do I care? 
you know, like, uh, what's her name? Julie, Julie Yao, the girl that they're looking for. Oh yeah. 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 Julie Mao. Um, Julie Mao. Um, I'm like, why, why the fuck do I care? <laughs> why do I care if they find her? Um, and that, that's, that's bad writing. <laughs> that's bad writing. Um, but anyways, that's how I feel about it. Your turn to that, tell me why you like it. That is great. You, you hate it for the same reasons. I love it. Um, <laughs> I liked how confusing it was. Um, in that, I mean, there are so many people that know right off the bat, you know what I mean? And that's, that's, I, I agree with you that there's, there's a little bit of the, just the panic of trying to figure out who's who and who works for who and who's on whose side in the very beginning. Um, but I, I, one of the, the biggest reasons why I like it is purely, purely a nerd reason, uh, which is they treat space properly, um, in its, in its horror and its isolation and its difficulty. Um, so that was a really strong pull for me because I haven't really seen a, a show that that has done that well. Like even a show like like Star Trek: The Next Generation, for example, there's definitely a sense of 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 there are some Mary Sue's in there. Like you know, the, the like for example, the way they they treat anti gravity um, or gra- I'm not I'm sorry, not anti gravity, but gravity, and yeah. how there's just these these gravity generators that just eliminate the problem of weightlessness and and the, the right. things that come along with that. Um, yeah, watching Star Trek, living in Star Trek generation is like living in a mix between the Ikea store and a mall. It's yeah, not exactly. really spacey. Yeah, and, and you just happen to be in space. There's nothing terrifying about it. You know, like the ship is extremely safe. No one ever worries about the vacuum of space or the horrors of space debris slamming into a, 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 a you know, if you think about impulse engines, for example, in, in the Star Trek world, that's a tenth the speed of light. A speck of dust hitting you at that speed would rip a hole right through you. You know what I mean? Right. And sure, they have deflectors and all that kind of stuff. And the deflector technology is supposed to create this 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 magnetic field around the vessel. But this, but there, it's never really as big a problem as I think it should be. Like for example, if the deflector dish even loses ten percent of its power and one piece of dust gets through, that's going to rip a giant hole in the ship. You know what I mean? Well, you know what I always think about too with with Star Trek's next generation. You know, granted these people are space bearing people, but I think about. Like if I woke up and I was on the Enterprise and I walked into 10 forward and I looked out that fucking window, I would probably shit myself. Oh, right. Looking into the vastness of space is fucking terrifying. Sure. It's not beautiful. <laughs> not when well, you're I, in it. <laughs> but I suppose but I suppose the perspective on that's different though, right? Like it's it's we're like you said, we're not spacefaring people, so we right. don't understand. Like these people are used to this. I mean, they, they stand on, on moon bases and stuff and look back at the earth constantly. But there so, are characters on, at least on the next generation that were taken up into that ship for the first time. Yeah. And in, if you remember back to First Contact, um, there was, I forget the name of the character, but she is, it's her first time ever seeing space and she's absolutely terrified by it. Right. Like she's, she's looking back down on the earth and this this gigantic monstrous, entity that she's never viewed from that perspective before and i knew going in the show that, that you know you had told me that it it was the you didn't tell me much which is good but you said it was one of the most one of the best ways you'd seen a show deal with space and because of that i think i noticed things i might not have noticed um two examples that come to mind really great examples um see if i i think this is actually technically the same scene um i'm not going to use character names because number one i can't remember any of the fucking characters names anyways um <laughs> The dude gets his one dude gets his head blown off yep. while they're all strapped in. Yep. And then the blood is 
weightless and mm-hmm. just trailing through the room. Thought that was really well done. And then those holes, they had to plug those holes because now the vacuum is broken. I yep. thought that was really cool too. Um, and then the, the random one scene where somebody's, I guess they're in like lighter gravity and he's pouring whiskey. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. He lets it go, but it like kind of trails and then, but he knows how to get it into the glass still. I thought that was really cool. You know, you know what I thought would have been really interesting? Like, so, so the show, I love, I love the show and I hate the show for many reasons. Um, but I, you know, I thought the story that would be the most compelling for both you and I as, as the people that we are who are concerned about narrative in the way that we are, um, I would have watched a show entirely about Miller. Yes. You know, um, that's what I was going to say, actually. I think um, when I read the description, after you told it to me and I was deciding whether I was going to watch it, I read that it was about a missing girl, at least the first season. I don't know what the hell happens after that, obviously, because I haven't got there. And and I was like, oh, maybe it's a space crime show. Awesome. And then when I saw him, you know, he's got the, he looks like a fucking noir detective, which is obviously on purpose. Yep. Um, and I'm like, awesome. And then I have to watch all the other fucking guys who I don't give a shit about. <laughs> So I think you're right. Like if it was just Miller, I would be totally happy. I don't care about I don't care about the the um the Persian lady that has all the power um in government. I don't care about the fucking uh well now it's called the Rosinante, but what what was it called? The the ship, yeah, the I forget the name of it. Canterbury to the chain, uh, the Canterbury. No, Canterbury is the ship that gets destroyed in the beginning. That's the Spoiler. that's the big Spoiler. ship that they came out of. The, yep. They were in the Canterbury. Um, and then they were in a like a smaller pod, and, yeah. And then now they renamed it the Rosinante. By the way, what is with all of the fucking Don Quixote references? <laughs> Rosinante, Don Quixote's horse. The yeah, first episode called really likes, Yeah, somebody really likes Don Quixote. <laughs> Who do they think is tilting at windmills in that show? I, I don't know. I don't know. To be honest with you. Uh, and then Canterbury is not. Obviously not the same book, but it is a. It's about the same time period in literature. Yeah, I, I think there somebody somebody on the writing staff really likes that period of time and wants to appear smart to the world. Yeah, somebody thinks they're clever. Yeah, exactly. Which it's, I think is why that. they're crowding things so much. That's you know usually when somebody does that, they really do think they're clever. Yeah, it feels forced. I, I agree. It's, it's and the reason I'm so sensitive to it. Number one, it's a lesson I had to learn myself, mm-hmm. but because of that. I see it all over the place and it really does ruin things that are good ideas. Mm-hmm. I agree. You can't have, you can't have complex um, character structure, you know, like your social world of your characters and complex plot and complex um, themes. You can't do all three because there's nothing and for I, anybody to hold on to. You got to simplify at least one. Well, and you, and, and it definitely deters it. It, it feels really forced um, and it takes you out of the reality of it. Yeah, I mean, like when you think about like really um, thematically complex movies, and uh, you know, like a Lynch film. Sometimes some of the movies you have a lot of characters, but then the plot is really basic, sure. or it's thematically complex and it is uh, very very few characters, but the plot is just crazy. You or, or one character. Yeah, you just got to, you know, most of the most of the movies with really weird, you know, like, um, what was that really great movie with um, Space Movie 2? With, oh, God, now I can't even think of his name. Sam Rockwell. Moon? Moon Is it called Moon? Moon. It's called Moon. That movie's amazing. Yeah. One dude. Well, one dude, kind of. Basically, though, when you think of who you, 
<laughs> you don't need to remember anybody else. Tim. Sure. Yeah. 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 Good point. Simple structure, but then really complex idea. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's like rule writing. I mean, writing number one, and it can change, you know, as people croak <laughs> in the show, the, the, the social structure is getting more simple, but it's, it's, it needs work. <laughs> Hopefully it gets better in season two. I'm not sure if you're gonna. I'm not sure if you're ever gonna like it. To be honest with you, because mm. it's kind of more of the same. Interesting. Okay, so what uh, what things do you want me to move up into the blue? Oh man, um, isn't that what you were just doing? Yeah, I was, but then we, we jumped onto this. <laughs> I really excited. like the idea of manipulating commercial breaks. Um, I'm very curious as to what you mean by that, and I have things to say about that. I have so much to talk about when it comes to the the, the Denver International Airport. I watched like oh, a documentary on that thing recently. Um, I know what the hell is going on there. I still have never seen the the the. Well, no, I think I have seen it, but I don't remember it. Um, the Dune doc. The, the I'm sorry, the Dune miniseries. It is. Um, like I think I've seen it, but I'm not sure. The Expanse is better. <laughs> Okay, well, that's why I don't remember it. Okay, that, that explains that. The Dune miniseries is really bad. It's really bad. It's, I've, I've, the only place you could watch it, and at least as far as I could find, was on YouTube. Um, and it was so bad that I watched it at two times speed. <laughs> and didn't miss anything. <laughs> it's, it's just so, like, number one, I don't even know where to begin. I don't want to go too in-depth and shit on two things in a row, but literally it's, it's like poor casting, mediocre acting, uh, it's really, really accurate to the book. I'll give it that, at least as far as what happens. But the way things look and the world looks and everything like that, it just feels... You know how like when you watch Star Trek The Next Generation and you look at the... Not the uniforms, but the normal clothes that they wear in that show, you know, the mm-hmm. their off-duty clothes. And you think, yeah. man, the future is lame. <laughs> because there's like zero fashion. Like they just look stupid. Yeah. That's this whole movie. That's the way everybody's dressed in this whole movie. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. Yeah, I don't know if I could handle that, man. It's a lot. And the special effects are garbage. But, I mean, number one, it's it's from 2000, and it was low budget then. I mean, sci-fi made it, so. Yeah, so one can only imagine the level of crappiness that... I mean, the, the, the sci-fi network just never never really got their shit together when it came to... You know, if you're doing sci-fi, for example, you have to have a big enough budget or it just looks like shit. Right, unless you're doing a completely niche thing of like low budget sci-fi yeah. and you yeah, purposely but, tell people that's what you're doing. But if you do that, you have to tell a much better story, you know, like, my, my, you know, like if you're doing a camp thing, you know, that's kind of what I meant. Yeah. But, but the, the, the problem though, is that none of it was meant to be camp. <laughs> no, I, you know I, I get I mean? you. I'm just saying that's a way they could have done it. Low budget. Like, if they had thought about it. Like the, 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 uh, Danny Boyle used to say this, like, you know, there are some directors or some projects that just do better with large budgets and some that are much worse because of large budgets. Totally. And, and one, one example that I always come back to, like, so, so let me, I'm just going to throw this out there and see what you think. What's your favorite Star Trek movie? Uh, to be honest, Star Trek four, the fucking whale movie, the whale movie. Fuck. Yes. Yes, but that also illustrates my point as well. So my two favorites are, well, I mean, Wrath of Khan is special because it's, it's Ricardo Montalban being his full crazy self. But my favorite is Star Trek First Contact. And mm, that is a good movie. It's a great movie. And you know why it was great? 
because they had almost no fucking budget to make it. And it also felt just like the TV show. Yeah, it was one of the lowest budget Star Trek movies. And so because of that, they had to tell a compelling story on just one ship. (laughs) Oh, actually, you know what? Um, I totally forgot about all the new ones. I really liked all the new ones. Oh, yeah, I agree. The new Kirk and all that. um, Those are probably my favorite. And I will say that people who shit on those movies are are just people who are waiting for their fan service. It's, there's an arrogance to it. It's like the same people who who crap on Discovery. I mean, don't get me wrong. Discovery is either your cup of tea or it isn't. But I gave it a fair shake and I actually think it's a decent show. Well, I know that there's, a, there's another podcast called um, Mac Power Users. And uh, the guy, um, what's his name? Sparky, something Sparky. I can't remember his first name. But David Sparky, um, David Sparks. Him and his former co-host, um, he just switched co-hosts, but uh, him and her were both Trekkies. And one of the, I listened to like the Farewell episode. I don't listen to the show normally, but I listen to the Farewell episode. I like listening to how shows transition format or guests and stuff. Having gone through that a few times, I'm always curious how other people do it. Yeah. And uh, she was telling him, I think, that he needs to give Discovery a shot because um, she's like, what you didn't like about season one, she's like, fixes itself in season two. And I don't know what that means, but from another Trekkie other than you, there are other Trekkies who agree with you. Yeah. And, and people also forget that first of all, the first series of Star Trek, like the original series that what, what Trekkies would refer to as TOS it was only one season and it wasn't really that good. No, it was, it was three seasons. Was it really? Yeah. Wait, what am I getting wrong there? Why did I think it was one season? Uh, because there's one season where they, um, where the where they say it's, God, I can't remember how many year mission, and then it changes to continuing mission. I think uh, maybe that might be what you're, what you're okay, confusing yeah, that's, because that's they didn't expect to go further. To. Gotcha. Um, also, you know, like I've been a long time Trekkie. Like, I mean, if you think about, I mean, I didn't start with the original series just because that wasn't of my generation. I didn't watch it until much later when I had to go back to it. But the the, the first season of this, uh, I'm sorry, of The Next Generation, which is a show I hold very near and dear to my heart, was not great. You know? Right. The, the, the first season of Deep Space Nine was almost unwatchable to me. Um, the first season of Voyager and the second season of Voyager, to, for that matter, were garbage. Um, I really wish anyway. I really wish you were caught up on the Orville. Oh uh, yeah, I haven't. Weird to bring up in a what? conversation about shows that aren't good, but it, that's the opposite. That show I love. Oh, that first season was amazing, but I the don't. Second have, season um, is better. I don't it, have any. I I don't have Hulu. I, that's that's my problem. It's. I think it's. Uh, this is a bold statement. I think it's my favorite space show of all time. Yeah. I mean, if, if we're if we're basing it anything off of that first season, that first season was incredible. Well, uh, season two, it, it's like it comes to a life of its own. I can't really tell you anything about it because it's just gonna, um, it'll ruin it. But I'll just say this: that it it finds it finds its feet. I thought it it had its feet pretty good in season one, but it you know there was a little bit of the contrast between the goofiness and then the actual like sci-fi plots that were sure. really well, and it would kind of transition between the two. In season two, they found a way to make them both work together so that it feels like one show instead of two shows oscillating. Got it. Interesting. And uh, yeah, there's there's a two-part episode in the second season that's just fucking 
nuts. Like there's like a there's a fucking space battle, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, dude, am I watching a fucking movie? Like this is it was so intense, and I'm like, this was. I thought this was going to be like a, when I first started watching this last season. I thought this was a Star Trek spoof, and now I'm watching this amazing space battle. Wow, Seth huh. McFarlane, you're the man. I wonder if it's going to get renewed. I hope it does. Oh yeah, it's definitely going to get renewed. It, apparently, it's, it's, so? it was it was there was there was threat that it might not. Its ratings are huge. Really? Huh. Yeah, it's a hugely successful show. Interesting. The guy has the guy has magic fingers. You know what I mean? Everything he touches just works. Yeah, Seth MacFarlane just doesn't know how to fail. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking to see what the uh, critical response is. This sometimes Wikipedia will tell you the ratings of shows. Uh, yeah, they got season one on average six point five million viewers. Whoa, for a space show? Uh, yep. That's really high. Ranked okay. number sixty-three overall. That's pretty. That's pretty great. Yeah, for a space show, that's shocking. Hmm. I would have never guessed. So, anyways, whenever you get it, whenever you get a chance to watch that show, that's something we need to talk about on here. I, I, I have literally no one else to talk to about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, 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 oh, we were going to talk about uh, this manipulating commercial break. So, what do you think that means when you read? Min- min- what do you think that means when you read those words that I can't say right now? It literally sounds like your computer ate you. Um, <laughs> it, it sounds like it sounds like production companies or or TV companies. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fumble this, but it sounds like uh, people are trying to manipulate how you view the commercial breaks as a an overall. Mm, that's interesting. That is totally not what I meant by it. Um, I think I was purposely obtuse <laughs> with titling it, but I think that will fit when we talk about Team Human. That's going to fit in there. Sure. Um, so let me let me make a note for that, so that we can remember to put that in there because I do want to talk about that idea because that is a good idea, or it's not a good idea. It's a good thing to talk about, I should say. Um, what I meant by manipulating commercial breaks is that I am manipulating commercial breaks. Um, so History Channel, which you see is another topic on here. Yep. <laughs> History Channel, um, shit, what, what, I can't remember what network Dateline's on. I think it's NBC. Um, so the NBC app and then like two or three other apps on the Apple TV that are people running, you know, channels running their own apps. Um, have these fucking commercial breaks that are just oppressive. Oppressive. Um, for example, like if you watch a Dateline episode that's 40 minutes, it takes almost an hour and a half to watch the Dateline episode because there are seven to nine commercial breaks. Holy shit. And you can't skip them. You, 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 I mean, if you pause it, it just fucking sits there. You try to skip it, it just goes back to the... So it's like you're, you're in the middle of the commercial break, you know, like um, it could be seven commercials. You're on commercial three and you try to like skip it. It'll go back to the beginning of commercial one. Um, oh, dear God. No, so, do that. <laughs> so uh, they've been driving me nuts. So I, all of a sudden I had this like epiphany. I'm like, fuck them. So I just started when when the moment the commercial break would start, I would just turn turn the volume down on the TV, mute it, pick up my iPad, and read something until the commercial break was over. 
and it's it's been really nice because it's a you know like you don't want to read a book like that necessarily but to you know little things on the internet that i have saved on my reading list and stuff like that it's a great time to rip through little articles and then like oh show's back on put the article back down watch till the next commercial break pick up finish that article watch some more of the show pick it up start a new article so i've been manipulating them fuck them <laughs> i'm using their time to educate myself <laughs> I mean, I will tell you now that I, I have so little concept of what it's like to watch anything on TV anymore. <laughs> I kind of miss it um, just because the, I was just talking about this with Nova. Um, and what I miss about it is there was so less thought involved on our part. Um, oh, sure. it, you know what I mean? Like what was on was on. There's no debate. There's nothing. It's just it's what's on. And you either watch it or you don't. Sometimes I turn on the TV and I flip around for like five, ten minutes going, I want to watch this. Nah, I don't feel like that. What about this? Nah, I don't feel like that. That's just stupid. That's a waste of time. <laughs> well, let me ask you this though. I mean, it's I mean, that's a pretty big that's a pretty big commitment though. Like, I mean, I, I think I kind of do the same thing as you do. Like I I the few times I do watch things with commercials, I feel like I treat them differently. Like I definitely mute the TV um, and just let it run. But do you, do you, so, so how many people do you think are doing that? I don't know. That's a good question. Um, probably not a lot. I yeah, I was going to say, because, but, but part of the issue too is that, especially for guys like you and I, we're so trained to watch things in a, in a, in a streaming service that it's tough for us to have the patience to even sit through five minutes worth of commercials, which by the way is literally how long they are now. Well, you know what people, this is, this is a good, these are two good things that happen from commercial breaks with stream with non streaming TV, with broadcast television. People go to the bathroom, they get up and get something to eat. Or my favorite of all of them was if you're watching a show and then it goes on commercial, that's when you turn and you talk to the person that you're watching with. Oh, true. Those are all healthy behaviors. Sure. Um, sure. So it's in a way you can, I mean, what I'm doing is a way of maybe trying to, I didn't realize it, but maybe I'm trying to build a healthy behavior like that. I'm reacting to something that's trying to constrict me and finding another way to deal with it. Mm. It's, huh. it's, it's, it, it doesn't happen a lot because I'm not watching, you know, I'm watching History Channel like twice a week because... We can go into that now if you want, because I think that channel is full of shit. Um, they need to rename that channel. Because oh, man. That, that, it's been full of shit for a long time, by the way. I oh, stopped yeah. watching the History Channel probably four, maybe five years ago, and I've never gone back. The only, there's only two things I watch on there. Um, I watch Curse of Oak Island, number one, because I've been watching it so many seasons. I want to see what the fuck these guys find. I've always been fascinated with Oak Island. Um, but even that show, the people on that show aren't full of shit. Um, they seem like good people. But if you pay attention to people's clothing, you know, somebody who did video for a little while, you pay attention to people's clothing, you pay attention to other things, and you can see the way they manipulate the timeline of things. Mm. Like a couple days later, and you're like, that's not a couple days later. That's today. He's wearing the same clothes. Um, or, you, you know, like if you watch people's drinks and the, the level changes, and you're like, oh, th this is later. And they're putting it here. And this is from earlier because he hasn't even touched his beer yet. Um, so they're, they're obviously manipulating you on, on many fronts. And that show continually never gets anywhere. Um, 
but I'm addicted to it. Yeah, I was going to say, then why the hell do you keep watching it? Because I want to know what the fuck's on Oakland, and I just have to know. And, and there's no other, nobody else is allowed to go up there. They're the only one with legit permits to go up there from the Canadian government. So even though the, their um, history channel is manipulating the timeline on it, it's the only thing you're ever going to find out from there. Yeah, but considering what it is, doesn't the disingenuous nature of that really bother you? No, because there's a certain there's a certain legal requirement for them. There's only so many things they can lie about. They can't lie about shit they find. Oh, sure. It would be up for fraud. So they can't do that. So when they find stuff, that's real. Um, and then the other thing I've been watching, which is com- complete a fictional show, um, is Project Blue Book. It actually stars the guy who played Littlefinger in Game of Thrones. Oh, cool. Yeah. But but he plays an American. He plays J. Allen Hynek, the great uh, ufologist. Um, but yeah, you know, they should two. If anybody from the History Channel is listening, I have two ideas for what you guys could rename your channel. Um, if you want to really get people's attention and just really be honest up front, you can call yourself the Bullshit Channel. <laughs> um, or if you want to tone it down a little bit, I thought maybe the Disinformation Channel would be really good. Um, there's like, for even though the Project Blue Book is a fictional show, you know, like it's actors, um, but it's supposedly based on real events, right? Yeah. They don't understand, <laughs> apparently don't understand how you're supposed to deal with things that are based on true events. Uh, when you fictionalize parts of a story based on true events, what you fictionalize are the things that can't be verified. You know what sure. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, UFOs came down. Okay, we don't know. There's no you no way to prove whether that happened or not. Cool. So you can fictionalize that all you want. But, you know, this person's president. Can't really lie. Truman was president. Truman has to be president in the show. Um, so they have the Secretary of Defense die in a bomb, in a car bomb. He didn't die in a car bomb. Truman had two Secretary of Defenses. One of them got fired. <laughs> and the other guy lived to 75 years old. <laughs> You, how can you just like kill off a person that was real in real life that didn't die that way? Well, I guess that's how you market it, right? Like that's why the whole based on a true story thing exists the way that it does. What people don't realize is that it can be very loosely based on on a true story. Yeah, there's. I think there's a certain percentage. It's like, oh, ten percent of this happened, therefore it qualifies. God, but how the hell do you even gauge that? I don't know. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah, nobody gives a shit. I mean, I I know. I mean, I'm 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 pretty crazy about these things, and I don't give a shit. So right. I can't imagine. I can't imagine norm. Not normal people. That's the wrong way to put that. Normal but I can't. But I can't imagine your average person giving a rat's ass about how close it is to the the actual you know historical event, unless it had some kind of profound effect on. Well, which Project Blue Book you could argue does have a profound effect on on the the American culture as we we understand it now, you know. But uh, I don't know. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of other shit that they do. That's you know, like for example, technically Project Blue Book was the third iteration of this project. It had two names before that, but they have this start out as Project Blue Book and stay Project Blue Book. So they simplify a lot of history. That I can kind of understand. But fucking killing off someone who was a real person, <laughs> that's just stupid. Uh, oh, man, I feel like we're going to do an episode entirely about MKUltra. We should. We should. I'm, I'm throwing that on there. I'm going to throw it on our list. That MKUltra sounds control. like something. Yeah, mind control and just the different iterations of mind control. Then we'll probably end up talking about cults. And Ted Kaczynski. Yeah, which, which I, I, I kind of can't wait to talk about as well. 
Have you heard this rumor that Ted Kaczynski cut off his penis? What? No. I don't remember. I think it might have been last podcast on the left. Someone, somebody said that he um, he had cut off his dick. Um, and I tried verifying it, which unfortunately in 2019 means going into a search engine and looking around for two minutes. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, can't even, I can't even imagine what you found. I couldn't find anything, but um, luckily I didn't find any weird porn. Um, otherwise, I'd be sharing it with all of the audience because once Yay. again, renewed sense of <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Man, you are really on that kick. You got to explain the genesis of that thing. Uh, so, blah, blah, blah. okay, fine. So I, I'm deleting all of our social media. Yep, all of it, not just Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Fuck it, it's all gone. Um, the reason for that is. Uh, the best way to say it is all these books that I've been reading that I've been sharing with you guys and how many episodes of this show I've been ripping into social media. At a certain point, you start feeling like you're full of shit because you're saying, I know this and I believe this is true. I believe it's true enough to be telling my audience this, yet I'm promoting the same episode where I'm talking about how social media sucks on social media. It's just complete yeah. hypocrisy, and I hate the hypocrisy. Yeah, there's a stark irony there, sure. Um, and to be honest, um, social media doesn't do shit for us. Um, when I post on social media, we get like maybe, um, be, th- and I mean this show and Creative Minds, maybe three to five more listens. I mean, it's minuscule. So like, why am I even fucking bothering with this shit that I hate? that I've never liked, that I don't want to be involved with, that I keep reading about how it's fucking destroying society. So I'm technically contributing to that by taking part in it. And then coming on here and sounding like a fucking hypocrite, saying that it's all bullshit like I am right now, and still having the accounts. So I was like, no, it's time. It's got to go. Might as well kill it. But uh, I'm not doing it in a reactionary way. I'm taking my time. I'm going to delete them in a month. Um. Hmm. I'm just announcing it and I'm slowly letting that sink in and maybe I'll re-announce a few more times. And like with my personal Facebook, which is also going bye-bye. Um, so I'll be social media free. I deleted LinkedIn already. Um, I, on, on my personal Facebook, I started, I, I announced it on my personal Facebook and said, you know, it's not happening right this second. So if you want to make sure that you keep in contact with me, send me your contact info and then anybody that I would that I could think of on there that I only knew through or that I could only contact through Facebook, I made sure to get an email address or a phone number from them. And uh, you know what's crazy, Lamb? Hmm. In the last two days, I, this has been happening in the last two days, I've had approximately 23 conversations. Oh, geez. These are people... Number one, I like all of these people, obviously. Tw- these are people that I haven't... Uh, let me put this another way. I've had 23 conversations in the last two days since I said I was leaving social media. You know how many conversations I had before that? I had mm. none. <laughs> like other than you. Um, like you and maybe one or two other people in the last four months. Wow. That wasn't related to something, you know, like please come on the podcast or or something like that. So... It just goes to show that that word social and social media is complete bullshit because, in fact, it was a stopping block because I was I've been thinking about that. I'm sorry. Am I ranting too much? No, no, by all means, keep going. Okay. 
I have, um, I have, I have such a, an interesting counterpoint to this. Okay. So uh, you think about when you have access to people at any time you want, you take that for granted. So you never contact them. But then when it becomes more difficult to contact them, you realize that you have to do something about that. Um, I don't know if that makes that very clear, but it, it's kind of like the, in, in a way it's analogous to the, um, what's that fucking hamburger place called? Uh, <laughs> Which one are you talking about? The one that has like four things on the fucking menu. Oh, in and out Burger, sure. Yeah, in and out Burger, thank you. Um, in and out Burger menu. You know, it's like three things. And because there's only three things, people fucking love it. Because oh, yeah, it's... Great. Minimized choices, right? It's not that their food isn't good or anything like that, but I mean, that's their big thing. It's 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 a really simple menu, and then you go other places where, like, I remember there's a restaurant chain. I don't know if they still exist, but there used to be a restaurant chain in the Bay Area here called Elephant Bar, and you would go into that place, and they would literally give you a fucking um, spiral bound book. Oh, it's ridiculous. That's that, that was like uh, thirty five pages long. I mean, it would take me forever to find out what I wanted. Dude, and, let me ask you this. How, how much do you think is that that's done deliberately to keep people panicked? When you say that, which of the many, many things I just ranted about, do you mean? <laughs> well, because I think specifically about certain, about certain chains, right? Like the Elephant Bar was one, Cheesecake Factory is another, where their menus are so vast that People to get people just continually come back to them. Um, I think. I think what the in reality, what I think it is, is that they're trying to please everybody, so they just keep adding more and more things to make sure that there's something for everybody. Having worked in a restaurant with a f- fairly extensive menu, that's usually what happened. Like, I, oh, I don't want to serve. I don't want to serve steak. Everybody serves steak, and then people come in. They're like, "You don't have steak? Fuck." Okay, let's put steak on the menu. And you just keep doing that, and you know they, they they never take anything away. They just keep adding. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if a chain like Cheesecake Factory is that stupid, though. Uh, yeah, I definitely think they are. <laughs> really? Okay. Well, that's interesting. I think the chain ones are the, are the worst because the people at the top aren't food people. Oh, true. Good point. They're business people. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, well, if that sells, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we have it on our menu? Sure. You know, whereas a chef's like, it, it's gross. I don't want to serve that. Yeah, and or I want to make a few things well rather than a bunch of things not well. Or like uh, like my friends, um, Jimmy and Stefan, well, they're not chefs, but at their restaurants, um, Lexington House and uh, Black Sheep Brasserie, they change the menu continually. It's always a changing menu. Yeah, um, I don't know if it was for a while there, it was every week. I don't know if they're doing every week now. It might be every couple weeks. I think um, they, they, they slightly modify it every week, but I don't think they completely change it. Yeah, for the first, I think, year or year and a half, Lexington House changed the menu every week uh, just because they wanted to do, do new things and try things. And it was, they're into food. Uh, totally different mindset. Totally different mindset. Um, sure. And anybody listening should go eat there. Both places. Yeah, they're, um, both, they're both phenomenal, sure. And they're fantastic people too. It's, it's not like the, you know, sometimes you go to restaurants and they're run by assholes. This, these, these are fantastic people. Um, so where was I in this whole, oh, so yeah. So 
fascinating that the moment I'm leaving social media and it's just like, and I'm, I've made appointments to appointments. Fuck, what the fuck am I talking about? I've, I've scheduled times to like physically hang out with people. Um, sure. And it, it's honestly, it, it's, it's just funny because it's like that word is stamped on there to make you think that's what it is when it's actually the opposite. And this, this, we won't do it right now, but we're going to go into a lot of this stuff in when I tell you a little bit about Team Human, but that's kind of what the driving factor behind all of that was. So what was your counterpoint? I I literally live the opposite life that you do. In that prior to all of the stuff currently happening in my life, I mean, and it's my job and it's what I do as well um, outside of my job, but I literally have 100 conversations a day. <laughs> oh, yeah. But um, on social media or on the phone? No, in person most of the time. Um, mm. So what all of the deleting of social media is... So so social media has had the opposite effect for me in the sense that... Well, I don't know if opposite's the right way to put it, but there's too much stimulus on social media. So now whenever I run into people, I don't have normal conversations. It's discussing what's on social media. Right, which isn't conversation. Yeah, which is not conversation. It's a recounting of of, of fiction, essentially. And that's um, that's that's a good word you use there, stimulus. I wouldn't call them social medias. I would call them stimulus networks. Oh, they're they're entirely stimulus networks. So now that I'm starting to back off my social media so so strongly, um, I'm starting to have more and more real conversations with people. So I'm having fewer conversations, but the conversations I'm having are much more meaningful. Um, and so I'm I'm coming from a different direction, but ending up at the same result, which is odd. And apparently now we have to talk about Team Human because that's essentially what the fucking book is about. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Um, this number one, uh, I don't usually share my quote unquote star ratings, um, but this out of five, this is a five for me. It's just there's I I, I highlighted this is a fairly short book. I highlighted 75 things in this book. Holy shit. And it's, and it's just because number one, either like, whoa, that's interesting or wow, that's really well said. Just so many times. It was just, I mean, I filled this thing with fucking highlights. It's, it's uh, Douglas Rushkoff is just a fantastic um, thinker. And the way he thinks about technology is very unique. Um, it fits into all of the books that I've been kind of going through. Um, but this, it, it goes off in the, into a different realm. Um, see, so what I've tried, what I've been trying to do, and this is kind of a little tangent, but it's a good time for this tangent. I realized that reading a lot of these books, especially, you know, I'm trying to come in here every week with a new book. Um, and there's other books that I'm reading too, at the same time that I get to a point where I finish the book and I'm like, I know what the book is about. And then when I try to articulate it, I, I can't, like, I can't, um, I can't pull the pieces together to like, you know, like I remember reading it and I remember things from it, but I can't give like the the through line of the book, right? Mm. So so what I've been doing is when I finish, I I print out the all the highlights that I've taken from the book and I sit and I reread the highlights and then I write out a summary. I'm like, okay, so this is, you know, anything that I think is like about the the whole meaning of the book, I'll write. Mm-hmm. And then I have like, okay, now I have this list of like, I don't this like three pages. And then I take that again and then I summarize that again. And then it, it's really helping me to like let this stuff actually sink into a way that it actually can come out of my mouth. Um, mm. 
So one of the things that he talks about in here is um, when the internet first came around, there was like this promise of, you know, it was this new thing and it was going to change everything. It was going to provide us with something that we hadn't had before. And that, you know, there are these many um, uh, revolutions that we've gone through. You know, you had the industrial revolution, um, you you had technological revolutions of, of some sort, you know, like radio and just it changed the world. And this was going to change that in a very different way. And it was going to, it was a promise of a communication and a freedom that we hadn't had before. And what's actually happened instead is it's been co-opted. That there's these tech, the technologies, not only the technologies, but the markets and cultural institutions that all revolve around these things and even further out from them, they now they've all figured out a way to manipulate the systems and they're all conspiring to do what essentially isolates us and they they repress our desire to connect in a real meaningful way. You know, like when you think about actually having a conversation with somebody in person, it feels a little tiring because it's so much easier to just send happy birthday on Facebook. Um, and these are all purposeful manipulations of us because our our economy is it's driven now it's driven by this the constant need for things to update and to um grow and to move faster right you got to have this you know like right now i guarantee you there will be a certain point where apple and um android releasing yearly updates of you know like here's ios 11 there's going to be a certain point where a year is too long and they're going to have to do it every 6 months and that'll be too long and and this will all be based not on um, on us, which is you know people think well, it's our desire for these things. No, it isn't. It's the market. And when the market starts dipping, they realize, oh shit, you know our numbers are you know like Apple's had a little number problem recently. Um, so the market is it's is continually fueling. It's fueled off of this continual desire, and so they have to. This is what they're pushing into us and using these systems on us to keep this system pumping. Um, there's a whole bunch more. So I'm going to take a break between each point so that you can, I don't want to talk all myself for an hour. Um, what do you think about that? I definitely, I mean, we've, we've kind of touched on this in, in, in smaller ways. Um, Absolutely. And so I, I definitely do think that the, 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 the human, the, the, the human ability to consume is definitely a commodity that is now being, um, husbanded and cared for in a very specific way, almost like we're being cultivated um, as consumers. So I definitely do feel like there. That so I mean, ex- extrapolate that a little bit more for me. So from a, from a perspective of of the human experience versus how the human experience is being defined um, by by people and companies. I mean, it, it, extrapolate that a little bit more for me based on what the book says. Well, here, let me give you a good example. Um, a good example is um, they're manipulating our adrenal glands. <laughs> this all sounds like conspiracy theory shit, but this is legitimate. Um, and if you pick up this book, there's like, uh, I don't know, like uh, 15 pages of fucking uh, of source material in the back of this book. I mean, the, the, from internet articles to scientific uh, surveys to other books, it's just full of information. So essentially, um, scientists know that, uh, I think in the specific case that they mentioned in there, um, 
they've done studies to find that isolated men, me, um, <laughs> isolated <laughs> men have higher adrenal levels. So um, I don't know if it's specific to males or they just did the study on males. Um, I would assume it's just that they'd only done the study on males because it doesn't seem like adrenal glands between the sexes would be that different. Mm. But anyways, um, by being isolated, your adrenal glands are higher. And of course, we know, especially if you've listened to the show, that having um, higher levels of adrenaline means you have anxiety. Sure. So um, we have these algorithms that what essentially they do is they personalize our feeds, right? But by personalizing their feeds, and this has come up in other books too, is they actually isolate us because we live in this little bubble of what we see but, you know, like what I see, like if I were to sign on Facebook right now, what I see is different than you, Lamb, but we're both on the same site. So I'm actually isolated because I'm only seeing these things and what you're seeing is different. So we're, we're almost living in different worlds. Mm. So that they're, they're creating isolation, which, and I don't, I don't think they're purposely um, thinking about the adrenal glands, but essentially they know what the effect of this is and the middle step is that they're giving us anxiety um and proof of that is since the birth of social media i think we mentioned this with the last book since the the birth of social media we've seen a dramatic spike in anxiety levels across the board yep um which obviously you know correlation um doesn't always mean causation but it looks pretty fucking good um and another thing that we know is that the worst things, we talked about this before, the worst things are spread more rapidly than the good things because um, I think it was uh, Tim Wu or Jaron Lanier, it was Jaron Lanier, said that the negative emotions are the cheap ones, they're the bargain emotions because we can't turn away from them. You know, our instinct makes us look at bad things like rubbernecking or um, it's hard to look away. You, know, you wouldn't want to look away from a fire or a lion, but you might, it's less important uh, survival wise to be able to look away from your wife. Mm. So when negative things come in, they get our attention because we can't look away from them. Um, it's literally our biology. Uh, so the interesting thing about that though, is these negative things, um, we'll say misogynistic, we'll use uh, misogyny the most misogynistic posts, you know who's spreading them the most? Mm. Feminists. Uh. Or racist posts. You know who's reposting those the most? Anti-racists. Yeah, yeah people of color. <laughs> because people are outraged, so they spread it more. So actually, uh, people are spreading things that they, that they don't believe more than they're spreading things that they believe. So they're perpetuating outrage. Because now they're outraging more people. And because of that, these, these people that are um, posting these negative things are spurred on to post more negative things. So now that raises to the level, you know, Lanier talked about that in the bummer system. That stuff is what raises to the top because it gets the most hits. And Facebook and Twitter, they don't care. And Instagram, they don't care about why something raises to the top. Sure. Just that it does. So... Now you now you're in outrage, and when you are in outrage, guess what? Your adrenaline goes up. So now you have even more anxiety, 
and then uh, memes you know memes are so popular and especially especially um i've seen i don't i i i can't say that it isn't on the left um i would assume it is but i definitely see a lot of memes um on the right um i would assume it's on both i just haven't seen them in my time but memes um memes are meant to people don't know this <laughs> but essentially they're meant to trigger your fight or flight response and they do oh jeez so now guess what they do? They raise your anxiety. <laughs> your adrenaline goes up. So all these things keep perpetuating the state of anxiety, which when we go back to the Lanier book, when he's talking about how um, this is analogous to gambling addiction, because in gambling addiction, you're not addicted to gambling because of the times that you win. You're actually addicted because of the times you lose. Sure. And so this negative sense keeps bringing us back and so we keep feeding into it more and the time we spend in the apps gets more and more and more so that's kind of what i mean by they're perpetuating this inside of us biologically and if you look i i can't give you articles because i haven't looked for it but almost all these books have mentioned that facebook has done research in this and wildly enough has researched has released this information you know like there's apparently there's some facebook blog out there that said we know how to make people sad jeez that is horrifying and then but but not surprising though i mean i feel like not a, surprising. a desperate and sad population is definitely much easier to sell things to exactly because you're, you're always you want, yeah absolutely so it's 100% defining a controllable consumer and building if you can't if you can't figure out what your demographic wants then make your demographic <laughs> right and, and the thing about mimetic communication communication through memes we people think that that's personal empowerment that they're expressing something from inside themselves you know like mm -hmm. by putting up this picture that says these four words that I'm expressing, you're not expressing something inside yourself. You're just reposting something. And it actually restrains true engagement because rather, I mean, even if it's not a meme, just like think about retweeting or reposting on Instagram. You're not actually communicating. You're literally just going here and passing something on. That's the opposite of communication. Hmm. And so that increases isolation and also increases anxiety. Sure. Uh, what's this? Well, we, I, sometimes I can't read my notes. <laughs> and and that's probably not helpful that I'm drinking during this show. That's all right. I always drink during this show. Like actual alcohol. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't drink alcohol during the show. I don't drink alcohol. What am I saying? Um, oh, we've reached a point where seeing things. So they talk about, um, he talks about in this book how um, they found that uh, you actually, when when there's threats to your relationship, which kind of ironic considering what you were just talking about earlier, um, that actually manifests in the same part of the brain that we feel physical pain. Yeah, um, that makes sense. <laughs> so we've reached a point because of these um, mimetic thoughts and all of this stuff, this reductionist thinking that all of these systems are built to create. We've reached a point where seeing something that we don't agree with might actually be causing us physical pain. Mm. So there's no incentive to in, engage in a real conversation because you might disagree with that person and then that might hurt. Well, that's also the, the I mean, I forget you were talking about this at some point too, the wussification of America. Um, oh yeah, coddling. 
yeah, in in that in that difficult things are are. I mean, I'm sorry. The things that are worthwhile are supposed to be difficult. Right. That's kind of the point. And and if you're not willing to have a tough conversation, it's and it goes back to Tim Ferriss, which I'm shocked we don't talk about a little bit more, um, like Four Hour Work Week and some of the stuff that's come from Tim Ferriss. He he defines success as the number of uncomfortable conversations you're willing to have. Right. I mean, that's you could say that's what this show is. It's one yeah. continuous uncomfortable conversation. Not Which between fasc- us. It, it fascinates me that it, no, that's that's not necessarily true either. I just don't think they're difficult for us because I think they've become second nature. But most of the things we talk about are pretty fucking heavy. Yeah, that's true. Heavy, heavy conversations. And that's why people have always called me intense. Heavy conversations have never repelled me. Yeah, I'm same fascinated here. by them. You say same here. Yeah, same here. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm 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 really horrible with chit chat. Like I don't I don't have idle chit chat. I'm incapable of it. So when I have a conversation with somebody, I ask them real questions about real shit, and I'm actually interested in the answers. And that's that's unfortunately what these you know like first of all, um, arguing on Facebook does not count for what we're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> because there's still once again going back to thing we repeat over and over again. There's no place for nuance there. None. Sure. Um, which is going to come up again later. Um, let me see. Let me give you some other stuff from this book. There's just a little bit left, I think. Um, uh, one of the things too, we push shame. You know, um, and this was a very interesting point. He talks about shame. And, you know, we've talked about shame when I read. So you've been publicly shamed, and I talked about it on the show. But um, what we should be doing, he says. So his whole point in this book, obviously, is that we should be on Team Human. Hence the title. Um, and these things are anti-human. Uh, we should be promoting openness. Um, for people to share things that are uncomfortable, um, but instead we we rely on shame. This whole outrage culture could also be called shame culture. Sure. Um, and so w- what we're doing is we're actually we're reducing what it means to be human. Mm. So um, when you shame somebody, what you're saying is you don't belong here, which is or we're or we're compartmentalizing. It, it, I I don't know if it's because the, what defines humanity will always change, right? So I don't think it's, I don't think it's it's fair to say that we're we're changing that way. I think that we're we're purposefully manipulating it now um, in a way that 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 isn't defined by culture anymore, or at least not in the same way that we've understood culture leading up until now. No, I think you're misunderstanding what I mean. I okay. mean we're reducing um, we're reducing the spectrum. Oh, sure, sure, sure. So, okay, yeah. Um, for example, we talk we talk about um, not you and I, but um, society talks a lot recently about gender fluidity. Um, that, that, for example, if if anybody has seen the new season of uh, Queer Eye, for actually it's just called Queer Eye. Um, there's one specific episode in there where there's a woman, but she's kind of she likes to dress in camo and stuff like that. But she she feels feminine, but she doesn't know how to dress feminine. And so they talk about, you know, you have to go to the place where she is. Um, you know, her definition of what, what it is to be a woman doesn't have to be what this person thinks it is to be a woman and what this person thinks. Everybody has their own definition on that spectrum. And so expand that beyond. We, we're, we are, the way we behave online is that this nuance and all of these things that are what it means to be human. When you shame somebody, you're saying you're not in that. We push that away. We don't want that in here. And we don't want that in here. And we don't want that in here. So you're, you're the narrowing and narrowing and narrowing the definition. 
So when you like, unfortunately, you know, like we've talked about this before, but free speech means um, say people saying things that you don't agree with and, and you, they have to be able to do that. But when you shame people out of that, what you actually do is you, you reduce them from being human. You make them something other than human. And, and, and obviously they are because they're just pixels on a screen to you. They're not a person. Um, so it's really easy to do that. And it's not to say that, like you said, that society, um, there aren't shifts in society that happen um, that are positive, you know, like uh, slavery. You know, we don't, we don't want to bring that back. <laughs> and it was good that that went away. <laughs> that, was a, that was a narrowing that was a good way. But we're narrowing nuance. You know, not these things where it's like this, this is objectionably, we, we, we're agreeing that this is objectionably bad. Uh, um, that this this is just we don't want this you know like murder we can all agree that murder sucks because nobody wants to walk down a street and get shot in the head sure or have it happen to their children or their wife or their husband um so th- those are different narrowings this is more narrowing of of these minor things to the point where it, what it is it's creating this like strict status quo that is almost, I would, I would almost say it's analogous to when we look back at the strictures of 1950s America. That this is what's acceptable, but that keeps getting narrower and narrower. Do you think, though, that they've become narrower to the overall, but more broad to smaller groups? No. Really? No, I, I don't see I, any I broadening do. anywhere. Mm, okay. Um, for example, the left attacking the left, the right attacking oh, the right. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, They're narrowing point. themselves against themselves. Yeah, because you're not extreme enough, quote-unquote, for any particular group of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's, well, I, I love this part because you know how I love um, the roots of words. But he, he goes into entertainment and he says, anybody know what the roots of the word entertainment are? Um, it literally means to hold within. So a synonym for entertainment could be maintain or constrain. Sure. So um, he talks about the idea that entertainment and things that are made purely for entertainment are actually driven to preserve the status quo. Mm. Um, and, and this isn't like some grand conspiracy, but it means it, just the way that we think that, you know, like everything should come to a clean conclusion. Nobody wants to watch a TV show where you don't find out who the killer, or a movie where you don't find out who the killer was. And which we just, which we discuss on a fairly regular basis, <laughs> right? And because we talk about David Lynch, and he talks about David Lynch in there, he's like David Lynch is one of the few exceptions that challenges that. Sure. Um, so it's it's like that kind of narrowing and expand. Uh, it's it's just it's fascinating because his whole point is, and I didn't even take notes on this because I figured I just wing this part but um his whole point is there are things that we could be doing to counteract this stuff he doesn't even he doesn't even in there i don't think there's even one single place in there he says delete your social media um what he says is we need to start focusing on things that make us more human things that um focus on nuance things that focus on communication and cooperation um he talks about uh, the british used to have this thing called the commons um and it was like a a part of land that technically nobody owned, but everybody owned. Um, so if you like, if you think of a community garden, something kind of like a community garden, 
you know, where I'm part of this, you're part of this, you're part of this, we all grow there, but we, none of us, not just one of us owns it. Um, but with the commons, it was kind of like, it was something different. I don't, he didn't really go into talking a lot about what the commons are. I might actually read a book about it, but he talks about these ideas of, you know, like nobody can tell you not to walk there because it's commons, you know, anybody can walk there. And it's, but it's different than public land because public land is related to the government. This had nothing sure. to do with the government. Um, he talks about uh, creating all of the things that we've lost, um, creating, creating physical communities. And uh, I can't really even begin to explain, but great book, read it. Um, I mean, the audience, you still have another book to read. <laughs> Which one do you want me to start on? Digital minimalism. You need that yeah. one right now. Got it. Mm. You have to read that one. That one is, it's literally, I said it before, it's made for you. <laughs> it's made for anybody, but more so you, because of the things you bring up over and over again, is almost like questions you have. When I was reading that book, I'm like, oh, there's the answer. Sure. So, yeah, Team Human, Douglas Rushkoff. Man, I would love to get him on Creative Minds. Hmm. All right. Oh. I, feel, I, feel like, I feel like, well, just purely from that perspective too, um, if I'm going to help you start booking people for Creative Minds, you know, we're literally just going to talk about shit on the show that has nothing to do with the show. Um, put, up <laughs> a, put up a list of dream people. I did already. Oh, did you? One, two, three, four, Wait, five, hell? six, seven, on, eight people. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Dude, where... And I gave you contact information for each of them. Wait, where the hell is that? Uh... I invited you to it. Shit, I'm looking in the wrong place. Okay, I, I totally missed that that was there. Okay, got it. Running, got it. running theme of this show right now for all the listeners is Lamb Learns Dynalist. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry, guys. Like, I've, I've been, I've, my brain has not been in a normal space for a couple of weeks. Um, so I, I will return back to what makes me me very soon. Let's talk about the, um, oh shit, you know what? While we're still there, um, where did I put that? That's from that, that sound is from that fucking stupid Dune miniseries. <laughs> Somebody, they, it's like this attack call they do at one point. You really don't like that show? No, I mean, it's only three episodes and I still suffered through it. Um, okay, so one of the things I want to talk about while we're on social media, tangentially, is so we've talked before about the tweet, which I obviously can't remember the exact thing about the, the girl who tweeted um, that she was going to Africa. Hope I don't get AIDS. Um, just kidding, I'm white, haha. So interesting, Mark Engels and I talked about that on Creative Minds episode. I haven't edited yet, but we'll go up soon. And he pointed out something, well, he didn't point out something. He, he started talking about that. Um, and I realized something in the way he was talking about it was, um, every time I read that, what I saw, and maybe it's because I was uh, privy to um, the way that she was treated in... So you've been publicly shamed by John Ronson and mm -hmm. knowing her history of tweets and the way that she, um, like the tone of things that she normally did. So when I would read that, I read that as, you know, like go, um, going to Africa, hope I don't get AIDS. Just kidding. I'm white. Ha ha ha. And the ha 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 is I'm just being sarcastic. Um, 
you know what I mean? Like I'm making fun of, in a way, making fun of the fact that uh, that white people in Africa have it better than black people in Africa. Sure. Um, The way that he read that was, and I'd never, literally never, until that happened, I didn't even occur to me that you could read the tweet that way, was that the ha 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 was like a maniacal laugh. Like ha ha ha, only black people get AIDS. Ha ha ha. Oh, geez. Like it's able to read that. You're able to read that same tweet, those same letters, um, same words without the nuance. Interesting. And without the sarcasm. And it means something completely different. And then when I, once I realized that, I started thinking about all the things that people were saying. And I'm like, that's why they said that. Because it's, it's like when I read Don Quixote. Why didn't I enjoy Don Quixote? Because Don Quixote is a comedy. But I didn't, I didn't ever feel like it was being funny. So I read it seriously. And I was like, this book is fucked up. Um, so I just thought that was an interesting thing to talk about because we talk about nuance and that we have to remember that you can read things multiple ways. So what I think is important is that we stop worrying about what somebody tweets and worry about what pattern is evolving. That one tweet doesn't mean shit unless there's a pattern of that. And the example I give is, are you familiar with the podcast Sword and Scale? Yes, absolutely. Okay, that podcast doesn't exist anymore. Oh, I didn't know that. He got fired from his network, um, Wondery. And he got fired from his network because he's had a pattern for years of just really crude sexist behavior, um, trying to pick up on women, fans of the show, asking them like publicly, asking them to send him nude pictures. Um, There's a whole Tumblr. I tried to find it again. I couldn't find it again. There's a whole Tumblr dedicated to screenshots of of obscene things and, and horrible things this dude has said over the years. Jeez. And I think that that is a really good counterpoint to this girl. It's a girl who said one thing and we fucking destroyed her life. And then there's this guy who has a year's pattern of just abuse. Two very different people, but we treated them both the same. And I don't think that's right. That's fascinating. And I mean, even even if she did mean that one tweet in the negative way, that's one, you know, like, I'm going to, you know, I've never heard on the show. I'm going to tell a joke <laughs> and it's, it's a, Oh no. <laughs> did you plan this dude? I did not plan this. You, um, I kind of don't believe you. I'm going to try to, uh, I, it, it literally never occurred to me until right now. Um, when I was told this joke, I was told it with, um, one with the, one of the characters having this, um, Irish, accent. I'm just going to leave that out because I don't think it's an important part of the story. Um, yeah. So anyways, guy walks into a bar. There's an old guy sitting at the bar down down away from him. And he, he sits down, he orders his drink and the old guy looks over him and he's rubbing his hand on the bar and he says, you see this bar? It's a, it's a nice bar, isn't it? It's this nice wood, hardwood bar. And, I, and so the guy puts his hand on the bar. He says, yeah, it's a nice bar. He says, I made this with my own hands but they don't call me Joseph the bar maker. <laughs> so the guy looks at me and he goes, okay, whatever. Uh, goes back to his beer. A few minutes later, the guy, he moves over a couple seats, smacks him in the arm. He says, you see that door? See that, that wood door and that frame? I made those. I made those with my own hands. 
but they don't call me Joseph the door maker. He's like, what the fuck is this guy on about? So he's, now he's trying to ignore him. Now the guy is sitting next to him. And he says, you know, you look out that window. You see that pier out there? All that wood? I made that pier. I made it with my own hands. But they don't call me Joseph, the dock maker. But you fuck one goat. <laughs> That's what it makes me think of. Oh, I love it. I love that setup. That's what it makes me think of. Oh, man. So you make so, so we're that, making the world into goat fuckers. Yeah. So you're basically <laughs> defining people as goat fuckers, essentially. Yes. And I guess that, that makes sense. I mean, that's, I don't know, man. I still have issues with that one just because, in that particular case, that's, that's a pretty tasteless thing to say. But but I also understand the context thing too. Like I mean, that wasn't meant for the world. That was just meant for people who knew her. Right. You know, like I we've talked about this before. You know, like when I was a younger man, awful jokes went around. Oh yeah, I sure. Them, I, dude, I still I, I I'm still known for saying the horrible, the occasional horrible thing now. But the people in my life know me well enough to know that I don't inherently believe the 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 philosophical thing that that makes that statement potentially true right so so like so you're in a group of like 20 friends you know like one of those lunches or the brunches we've gone to before right um and you make that joke and everybody knows you and everybody laughs but what if somebody at the bar records that and puts it on television now you're a racist asshole or a sexist asshole or whatever the thing you know that you're joking about that's what you are to the world. That's exactly what happened to this girl. She oh, said man. something, regardless of whether what her intent was. She said it with the intent of people she knew, a small group of people she knew hearing it. And then it's broadcast to the world. And that's just, I, I can't, I can't think that that, you know, going back to team human, I can't think that's human behavior. Hmm. That's shaming, that's, that, that's shaming, as a weapon sure and 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 it, it always it continually reminds me of lord of the rings i mean lord of the rings of um lord of the flies you know just kill whatever moves sure and it, don't worry about what it is because we're in a frenzy and it's just fucking stupid hmm. when we lose it i think i don't know if it was in that book or if it was in something else i've read recently but um, it was it was essentially along the lines of saying, when we lose when we lose the ability to see the humanness behind something like that, like a the, you know a racist, or when we lose the ability to see the humanness behind a sexist, we are worse than they are. Because we should know better. Do you believe that there's a line there, though? What do you mean? What, line between what? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to define that in my head right now as I'm saying it. Um, what then do we understand as inappropriate or is anything inappropriate? I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't, first of all, I mean, why are we so fucking worried about what's inappropriate? Oh, that's true. I mean, why I do we have to be thought that? police? You know what I mean? Like, so, so somebody's inappropriate, then they're inappropriate. 
that's what they are. Why do we have to like avenge it? You know, the, the problem with that though, is that in, it, philosophically as an individual, I, I, I agree with you, but we have to live with other people. So how do we then survive in the context of a social construct for propriety without, without compromising our ideals about, about not being politically correct or not being, you know, inherently censored in a way that, that defines us? I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't think that there's ever going to be a clear line for that. There isn't. There never has been. You know what I mean? It's, it's a continual process of gray. You know, like murder. Murder is not black and white. Self-defense, that's gray. War, is that murder? Certain points in history, somebody would have said yes. Other points in history, they'd say no. Well, I mean, our, our state just uh, put a moratorium on the death penalty. So, I mean, that, that kind of then kind of asks, it asks the extreme version of that same question, right? Like at what point, what, what is the line now? And I feel like the, the difficulty that you're trying to, to, to get across in all of this is there shouldn't be a line. The line itself is the problem, not where the line is. Right. And, I mean, think about it. This is, this is a good thing to maybe extrapolate on. When we think about judges, there's nobody in the world that wants a judge to be black or white on or sure. off, right? Sure, totally. Um, you want a judge to judge every single case individually. That's, that's, that's why it's difficult to be a judge. Otherwise, anybody could do it because all you have to do is pull out the book and go, says not to cross the street, you cross the street, you're fucked. Anybody could do that job. The reason being a judge is difficult is because you have to consider all these other things because every case is unique and individual. And what I'm seeing online is people acting like a hanging judge. Mm, sure. Not taking into account any individuality. And which then wraps around to the thing we always end up at somehow on this show, which is the death of nuance. It's, it's, it's appalling. It really is appalling. Then nobody gives a shit about those little things anymore. But you know, the only time they care about it is when it, it involves them. You think about these people that say, you know, like um, I'll get, I, I've since I've uh, at one point espoused the idea of of open borders. Let me give you another argument. There are people who always say, you know, like immigration is it's a law. If you if you're not a legal citizen, you shouldn't be here, black or white. Mm-hmm. Do those people ever speed? Do those people ever go through the crosswalk when there's a person in the crosswalk? Do those uh, people ever do a California stop where they don't slow down? Do they ever break the law? Of course, of course. they do. Yeah, of course they do. Of course they do. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter because it doesn't count for them because they can see the nuance for themselves. They just don't have a context or an objectivity to see it for other people. Yes. And I think that's the same problem we're having here where we're going, somebody said these words, that makes them racist. But we're not seeing the nuance of going that maybe they're not racist. Maybe they just said something stupid. And there's two, that's two very different things because there are, especially when we talk about um, the interpretation of words, like um, and in the context of racism, sexism, all of these things, these are not clearly defined anywhere. So 
it's really easy sometimes, and I'm not saying that's what happened in this case, um, but there, it's really easy sometimes to say something that sounds like it might be racist when that's not even what was in your head at all. You're thinking something else. You just chose some, word, chose some words poorly, and somebody has interpretations of those words and context of those words that you're unaware of. Sure. So it seems very clear. The reason I bring that up, it seems very clear in that case that nuance is needed there to understand in intent. And um, so even if, you know, this girl said a bad, a stupid joke, if her intent wasn't to be racist, she was just trying to be funny, that intent is important. Sure. Because, because we're making a, a value judgment on a human being, which first of all, I have a huge problem with. Um, but we're making a value judgment on a human being. You know, people giving her death threats. And yeah, that's insane. Insisting that she be fired. And all of these things. We, we, no one, was anyone taking into account the intent? And that's what bothers me because when we lose those things, we lose our humanity. And well, because I mean, if, if intent becomes part of the, and I think the, the, the easiest part for me to understand what you're saying is if we're losing our humanity, um, at, at least from, from what you're talking about as a context, I mean, that means that there could have never been and will never be a stand-up comic ever again. Yeah, absolutely not. And that's something actually, we, Mark and I were talking about this in there. And I said, what if a stand-up comic said that? Sure. I think the stand-up comic would have got away with it. Oh, totally. And because especially it's like, if, oh, you're allowed to be funny. Context, yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's a weird thing. It was like, oh, you're allowed to make an off-color joke because it was good. So, mm-hmm. so, so I, th- I feel like more than anything, what this girl got away, got in trouble for was making a joke that wasn't funny. Sure. So, it's, well, you know, she's being attacked for being racist, but really what we're shaming her for is, is a bad sense of humor. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's really what it is. Because if it was funny and everybody thought it was funny and they saw the sarcasm in it, if she had worded it right and they understood the sarcasm of it, then there wouldn't have been a problem because it would be like, oh, she was just being sarcastic. She had sure. a good joke. Sure, but it's like Kramer's thing, right? I, I forget the, the Kramer example when he went on stage and basically blasted that guy um, using racial racial slurs and stuff like that. Um, his... And that's a stand-up comic on a stage during the middle of a set. And his right. intent changed, and that's where the problem came. Well, his intent changed, and he also stopped joking. Yeah, exactly. Um, so his, his, his intent, most people would say his intent was clear. Um, sure. I, I, I refuse to watch the video of it because I just don't need to hear that word because I honestly think that word is, you know, um, William Burroughs used to talk about word viruses. Yeah. I believe that word's uh, it's a virus that so when you hear it, it swims around in your head for days and sure. it keeps popping up and you're like, I don't want that word in my head. Um, you know, something interesting that I forgot, there was one thing from that book that we just talked ourselves into. What he talks about is one of the problems with um, the internet uh, is because the internet is, you know, it's all based in computers, right? Well, uh, it inspires binarity. I don't even know if that's a word. I made it up, maybe. It inspires us to think in binaries. Sure. On, off. Did you send the email? Did you not send the email? Well, you know what it also inherently does, too? And I think this is... It it goes back to the the point that you had a few minutes ago about um, 
well, maybe you, maybe you intended to make, maybe you didn't intend to make the point, but this is how I took it. Um, so I've been big on objectivity lately. And I think that, that having that emotional object, objectivity, um, or even just tangible objectivity allows you to see the world through a, another person's perspective, like in, in the sense of that, that, that girl who told that joke, for example, and that perspective allows you to, to, and, and that perspective and objectivity then allows you to step out from your own perspective and understand something differently. And I think that the the online culture that we've cultivated has almost entirely eliminated our ability to have that objectivity because I think the objectivity and the perspective comes from an inherent sense of empathy. And empathy is something that quickly dies online. And, you know, going back to his point about the, the there's no actual communication going on. There's no connection. Do you do do the people that did this really think that that changed anything? They really think that they you know like, well, now that we crushed that girl, there's no more racism. Well, they they don't realize that that's that the person they're crushing is a person, and that you've just ruined a person's life. And she was right. young. And the thing about it is, if one person instead of you know fifty thousand people or how many ever people just fucking shitting on her, if just one person had replied and said. Hey, you know that that can be understood as kind of racist, and then gave her a chance to reply, and she said, "That wasn't my intention. I was being sarcastic, and this is what I actually meant." Or the chance to say, "Yeah, I know it is. I'm racist." You know, yeah. whatever. You, there's an actual dialogue beginning there. That's not what happened here. Yeah, we fully. I mean, the world fully judged her before she even had a chance to see the responses. And to be clear, I know I bring up this girl a lot. She, I just think she's a really great example of a small thing going really big. I don't know if this girl's a racist or not. I don't know. I don't know her. Well, the, the, but, but the, the bigger point is that we never gave her a chance. Right. We just, we literally decided, you know, this country, we talk a lot. Of, when, when we're talking big, we like to say, oh, yes, it's wonderful because you know, we are innocent and proven guilty. No, you're not anymore. Not anymore. It hasn't you're, been that way for a long time, actually. You're guilty and you don't even get a trial. Yeah. You just it's get whatever, shot in the face. It's whatever people decide that you are. And sometimes guilty people are seen as innocent and innocent people are seen as guilty. So it works. It actually, that actually cuts both ways. And it's, it's, and that's that binarity. Um, I really need to find out if that's word because I like it. <laughs> I feel um, like that's, that's going to be the name of the episode, whether we like it or not now. I like binarity. Yeah, or just binarity. Uh, I got to be careful because people might think I'm talking about male, female binarity. Um, what I was going to say is about that binarity, that, uh, just a small tangent that I thought you would find really fascinating. Um, he makes this point where he talks about, uh, you see the, the EU is kind of like sort of falling apart right now, right? Oh, completely, uh, yeah. And he says he thinks it's because um, in the computer age, we deal in binarity. We deal in binaries. But those ideas, the idea of a unified currency, the idea of free flow across borders, the idea of uh, everybody working together are ideas of the radio and television era. Because when you watch radio or when you listen to radio and you watch television, you were watching the same thing everybody else was watching. You all shared something. But we don't think like that anymore because that's not what's bred into us by these by the the computer generation, which it needs definition. Everything must be defined. 
you know, what is this? This is rock. No, no, this is this is indie college rock with hip hop influence. Everything must be defined. Everything must be boiled down to one or zero. Are you French or are you Swiss? Well, I also think that the, the, a cooler secondary point there too is that the computer age also limits what kind of shared experience we can have. Yeah, because we don't have one, right? Yeah, Those exactly. Like personalized feeds, we share nothing. I mean, even something as simple as all of us watching the same TV show at the same time on a Friday night, for example. Exactly. And then the, and then the next day, we can all get together and talk about said episode of said TV show. That doesn't happen anymore. I mean, I can't remember. I mean, you and I do it all the time. Like, hey, dude, have you seen The Expanse? No, 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 no. Have you seen the, you know, so we, yeah, we don't, never even we don't have it. the same, we don't have the same collective experience anymore. You know what I mean? And so because of that, I feel like our sense of perspective timing from person to person, friend to friend, and even stranger to stranger is entirely different. Yeah. And I mean, and this idea, I think, I, I didn't think about this before, but this like desire for definition of things because of, you know, of this individual thing, we feel like we, everything has to be defined and, and categorized and recategorized. You know, it's like, are you left or, are you, you know, are you a liberal or are you a progressive? Well, because we have to define that even further. Um, intersectionality. You know, I'm not, I'm not just a woman. I'm a black woman. No, I'm not just a black woman. I'm a black gay woman. Um, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm saying that that's an example of us defining things more. I'm not making a value judgment of that at all. Um, but then I also think, in response to that, I think that's why we're seeing now is the time where the idea of gender fluidity is coming up. Because I think in a way, it's a response against this desire for this binary, for everything to be defined. I think, sure. that's, I think that's the revolution that's actually happening where it's like, no, no, no more of that. We, these computers ask too much of us. And you know, the, the, oh man. <laughs> This is it's a good episode. To, it's even hard to know where to spin off from that because I, I, you, you made a, an extrapolation that goes past the point of where I wanted to talk about in the previous um, conclusion that we came up with, which is the lack of a shared perspective or the lack of a shared experience. I go will back say then. now, go that, back, go back, go back. I, I will say now that that is the number one reason why my current relationship failed. Because you were living in two different worlds. Exactly. We had no collective shared experience. So, so we, began, we began to relate to each other less and less. And the horrifying thing about that situation, and I imagine that in smaller pockets, this happens all the time, is that her and I, we still love each other and we love each other deeply. But our collective experience is so different that our worlds don't even come close to lining up. And the irony of all of that is that in us breaking up, um, we ended up spending more time together, you know, kind of dissecting our lives and kind of taking things apart and splitting up stuff. And in sharing that experience, we remembered why we were together. <laughs> and, it's but funny how we apart. talk our everything into unity because that totally fits into everything. Ah, oh, man, it's so brutal though. It's so, it, it, so, so, so that's the cost. That's, that's the price I pay. You know, and, and I think that, that there's, no, there's no finer point to it for me, no, no stronger perspective or, or, or no less tangibility to me than that. I, my relationship the, the, with the woman I personally think is the one for me failed because I didn't recognize this stuff soon enough or react to it quickly enough. And or you guys lived in the same or, house too. We should clarify yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. We lived You're in, in different worlds in the same house. 
more to clarify the point, um, and I think this is one of the things that you and I work on. God, I wish we'd, we'd done this sooner, but that's what life's all about, right? I wasn't brave enough to do it sooner. Not until it cost me something. And that's really unfortunate. It goes back to that thing that we talked about before. Is sometimes you have to get rid of things you like to make room for the things you love. Yeah, I think that's so true. There's and nothing... That is, that is a truer statement than you can possibly imagine in my situation. And that's why, that's why I had to get rid of social media. I'm not going to lie. You know, like everybody else, there is enjoyment in it. But it was getting in the way of things I love, which was yeah. actually people. Yeah. <laughs> and knew, I think right? it does it for everybody. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, would, I, would, I would think that you, at some point, I'm going to just extrapolate from your relationship and make this a little more general. Um, there are people out there who maybe communicate, don't realize it, but communicate with their significant other via social media more than they do face-to-face. Oh, I don't doubt that. I, I can think of a few that I suspect that that's happening with. <laughs> and it, it's just, it's in the way. Yeah. And that's why I, I, I'm getting rid of it. And of course, I encourage other people to. Well, um, I, it, but, but the problem though is that people don't realize it's in the way because they believe they're sharing an experience and they are not sharing, sharing an experience at all. Right. So it's, it's, it's trickery. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a substitute that isn't a substitute in any real way at all. I do think that this revolt against social media is it's gaining speed. Um, I agree. I, there are a lot of people I know who are pretty deep into social media who are kind of vehemently against it now. Oh, and, and others who are, are slowly backing away from it. You know what I mean? You know how I mentioned that I had those 23 conversations? Um, I'm not going to say all 23, but let's say 20. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was at least 20. All of them started with almost the exact same sentence. I wish I could do that. Literally. Yeah, sure. It just blew my mind because it, number one, it's like that's how much this stuff is just kind of wrapped in our heads that we think, you know, even though like they're exaggerating a little bit by saying that, but but when you say things, there is meaning in it. I wish I could. In other words, you believe you can't, mm. and that's just it's it's terrifying. Um, I think that I I I think it's gaining speed because uh, when when we've seen uh, like uh, what was that fucking app? Remember there was that app that everybody was for a minute there was bailing off of Instagram to go to that app. Snapchat? Uh, no, no, no. It was the one um, that was owned by like somebody in Saudi Arabia. Mm. So I can't remember what it was called. Um, anyways, it doesn't matter. There was, there was a moment where this is mass exodus. You know, people weren't deleting their Instagrams, but they were telling people that I'm going to leave Instagram and I'm going to go over to this app. And then it, poof, died out. You know, the app's still around, but, you know, everybody went back to Instagram. Anytime something like that happens, I doubt the validity of it because when something this big changes, it doesn't happen in an explosion. Yeah. It happens in a slow... It's, it's, it's literally the reverse of the, the, the curve of innovation. Hmm. It starts off. It starts off with, you know, the people that are willing to go without it, the people, the brave people. And then the people that are the next group, you know, the a little more, they're a little less brave than those people to go first, but now they're willing to go before everybody else because they saw these people go. Do you think? Do you think defining it that way it works in the inverse of the the curve of innovation and becomes like the curve of stagnation heading in the other direction? Yeah, I, I mean, I, the reason I say reverse is because I don't think it's an inverse. Okay. 
I think it's literally the same curve. It's just the opposite action is happening. Instead of something growing, it's dwindling. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I don't know if I don't know if that really makes a difference or not. That's just why I chose that word. No, that um, makes sense. That makes more sense. At least um, in the way you explained it, it makes more sense. And the reason I think that the reason one of the things that that slow is important too is because at a certain point, when you can see it going up that curve, you know, anybody that knows what this curve looks like, there's a certain point right near the top where once you get over that hump, pretty much everybody's on board. So it's like 50% of the population when you get to that hump approximately. And this is, this is usually used for, as, as, as I said, innovation, you know, like cell phones, you know, you know, the people had those crazy brick phones. Those were the first people. And then a couple more people had those. And then slowly about 50% of the population had it. And then once 50% of the population had it, everybody had it except for the small group called the laggards that are like, I don't ever want a phone in my pocket. Mm. Um, I, I love doing accents. There's no reason I chose that accent. Um, <laughs> I just like doing accents. Um, and so what I think when you get through that 50%, what you also start to see because of the society we live in where celebrity is important, you start seeing bigger names get behind something. And when you start seeing bigger names get behind it and a group of people slowly moving towards it, it's gaining traction. Sure, And that's why I put that Casey Neistat video on here. It's literally from like four days ago where he says he's, he's not going on social media anymore. Mm. And I think so far he might be the biggest person to say that publicly. Yeah. That's gutsy, man. There's also um, an interview on Jordan Harbinger show from this week with Charmaine or Charmaine, Charlemagne, the God, the, the radio, um, Host, I don't know what the hell you call people on the radio anymore. Apparently, DJ. Um, he's not DJ though; it's a talk show. That's why I'm hesitant to use the word DJ. Um, and he's off social media too. He's like, I'm not on it anymore. And he said my favorite thing of the week. He said, "I refuse to be outraged." Oh, cool. He reads things and he says, "He says I read them." He says, "But I refuse to let anything outrage me." Interesting. I love that. I want yeah, him on my show cool. too. All right, I gotta start emailing people. I gotta get over. I gotta get over myself and and start doing the emails, man. Just occupy yourself with something. It doesn't have to be for me. Yeah, occupy but your I, mind. I, but I feel like I feel like this is one of the things that we've 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 been talking about for a long time. And I I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm saying, man. <laughs> Maybe I should explain what the fuck we're talking about to the people that are listening. Going, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, one of the things. If you guys listen to the show a lot, I know I exaggerate a lot about how antisocial I am. I'm, a, I'm fairly antisocial in behavior, but when you meet me, I'm a nice person. Um, you know, I'm not like fucking, I don't have a Ziploc bag over my head, you know, preventing me from speaking. And most people think I'm friendly. Um, but I'm socially awkward in certain things. And I suck, suck at doing professional emails. <laughs> um, I just I, I I see the inherent weirdness of things too much, so you know, like I'll, I'll overthink things. You know, hello, and I'm like, oh, that sounds stiff. Ooh. Hey, <laughs> that sounds too friendly. Hi, that sounds lame. <laughs> if you if anybody's ever got an email from me, usually there's no salutation. I just jump right into it. That's yeah. why. 
So anyways, as you can imagine, me contacting people to be guests on Creative Minds, unless I know them, it's very awkward and usually it doesn't work to my benefit. Um, Lamb is really good at this stuff. And so he, he wants to try to help me. So that's what we're talking about. And I hope he succeeds because it would be amazing. I mean, even even if my success ratio is 10%, that's still significant. Fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yes. Um, yeah, so that's that's what we've been talking about. So anyways, um, we got a few more things. You, let's, we haven't even touched your fucking list yet. Yeah, I feel like I kind of don't want to anymore. Okay. Um, you know why? Because it because it, all of it all of it came from a place of darkness. <laughs> yeah, and um, even though in, even though the things that I want to talk about aren't inherent, like they don't have to be dark, but they I kind of feel like they're gonna be. Let me let me just let them know what I see before me. This is what I saw coming in this episode. Lan wants to talk about aging, wisdom versus intellect. Eh, that's not dark, really. That's, that's not too bad. Yeah, and then let's talk about death, baby. <laughs> yeah, literally written that way too. Holy shit, man. <laughs> um, I have one on here that's literally... You know, sometimes I have those ones where I get to that. I'm like, and that's the end. Um, there's no conversation around it. Uh, Twitter is a parking lot. It's just like this metaphor I realized where I'm like, I was in a parking lot or I was watching a parking lot and just thinking about like, man, when people get in the car and they're in the parking lot, they're just the biggest fucking assholes. They're the worst version of themselves. And I was like, oh, that's Twitter. <laughs> that's That's Twitter. That's literally Twitter. Jeez. <laughs> that's hilarious. So that's 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 all I had to that one. I just thought it was funny. Um, you want to talk about the Denver International Airport or uh, you want to wait? Oh man, I want to wait. There's a lot to there's a lot to dive into there. Okay. Um so what would you like to talk about then? <laughs> now that we've we've blown all of my topics through the fucking screen door like shit. That that I was mean, a bad metaphor. I, I feel like yeah, no, that is a horrible metaphor. It doesn't I feel mean like I, I, I feel like there's a magic here with the whole. I mean, we're I think we're kind of leading into it anyway um, when it comes to the whole intellect versus wisdom thing. Um, like I've been fascinated by that that topic for for some time now, and I feel like it's we're kind of headed there with the show anyway. So I want to I want to I want to understand what you think wisdom is. Wisdom is. Wisdom versus intellect, I think for me, is really easy. Intellect is facts and information that you gather. Wisdom is experience. Okay. That's why no young people are wise. Hmm. Because you, you need think, wisdom. You don't think it's possible for young people to be wise or you don't think there's very many of them? I think it's possible for them to appear wise, but I think it's impossible for them to be wise. Interesting. Okay. Because wisdom requires experience. Um you know, they could be maybe wise in one thing if I really want to, you know, get into not be too binary about it. Going back to what I said before, you know, like maybe they grew up in a, a household where they had to be in charge of their younger siblings. So maybe when it comes to interpersonal relationships, they might be a little wiser. But do you really think even in that case, they could ever be comparable to uh, someone in their 70s? Not likely, sure. And the reason for that is time, right? Sure. The longer you're alive, the more experiences you have. Unless you know you're an agoraphobic, but then even then, you have more experiences. You have more experiences than anybody else of being in that one room. 
<laughs> yeah, I was going to say like your 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 wisdom may be specific, but you still have it. Yeah. So that's that's that for me is pretty basic. My definitions are pretty clear on that one. Well, that kills that topic. Well, no, it doesn't because I don't <laughs> understand why it's why it's a question for you. You didn't tell us why why you're thinking about that. Oh, that's true. It's a good point because I think I'm a pretty smart guy, but I think that in in the context of why my relationship ended, for example. I didn't think I was very wise about how I approached it. I thought I could think my way out of feelings. You know what I mean? And and I think that that my mistake in the long run was trying to define emotional aspects of my life in a logical way. Mm. Yeah, I think that at times, not always, of course, thankfully, at times wisdom and intellect can be opposing forces. Absolutely. And I didn't, I didn't really realize that until I was going through what I was going to. I think that's where we, why we make fun of people when we call them a smartass. Mm-hmm. Sure. You're being smart, but you're not being very wise. You know, or a know-it-all. It's like, you're a know-it-all, but you're being a douchebag. <laughs> because you're not being wise. Sure. Um, oh, man. Yeah. So, um, you know, what's interesting while we're still here. Number one, I don't know about you, but uh, I feel like this episode was a little bit different um, in a good way. I said that the last time and I do think that that was true too. I just, I feel like, um, I don't know, today felt like almost closer to a radio show. Yeah, I agree with that. I like that. I, like I, that I, also, I also feel like because we've unshackled ourselves from a format of any kind, um, we somehow there, there's this weird sense of synchronicity, and maybe it's and maybe it's not as mystical as I think it is. Maybe it's because we literally just send messages to each other every day, so we're always kind of in sync, whether we know it or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but I definitely feel like like the way our conversations naturally evolve makes sense in the context of what we're going through in our respective lives. Like there's, there's a part of me that, that, that wishes for certain things to happen with you, for example, that I think are slowly happening, whether you like it or not. Like what? Like I think, well, no more specific stuff. Like I think, I think that, doing things like the podcast and having the network and getting rid of your social media and all of these things, I think they're all headed towards the same thing. And I think that I, I'm not quite sure what that thing is yet, but I definitely know that it's there. That's interesting. Cause I have, when you say that um, it resonates because I'm like, I have that feeling too. Sure. Where, um, in one way, I think it manifests for me right now in my head when I think about that is like, Oh, without that stuff swimming in there, I can see like two things that are really beneficial about that. Number one, um, without having to worry about um, whether a post does well, freed from that and freed from having to even fucking post them. Sure. Uh, it makes me really, I, I think that's why I have more of a I don't give a fuck attitude um, because I'm just having fun. And it allows me to just have fun because now I'm no longer in the game. In, in, sure. the, in the in the judgment game, in the fame game, I'm no longer in it, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. I'm just going to do this because I like doing it. Um, and then it also like it feels like I could do that with writing. Like all of a sudden, like that headspace is going to go to writing. But I found myself, and just like the last day today specifically, because of that headspace, kind of walking around thinking like, huh, 
it'd be interesting if Lamb and I, you know, we at least did one episode a week, but every once in a while we just threw in another episode because we felt like doing one. Why? Because why the fuck not? Or um, it'd be interesting if, you know, uh, if I started a third show. Why? Because why the fuck not? You know, like, it didn't matter. It, it, all of that weird heaviness is gone. And I feel light. Man, how strange is it, though, that we're... So, so my conclusions about where I am because of the relationship and because of all the other stuff that's happening is that the one quintessential thing that's missing from my everyday set of priorities is my need to find joy for myself. Oh, that's a big and I, one. And I, yeah, like I've been a serious fucker for a really long time. And I feel like I've, I've been working at so many things, not realizing that a lot of them really don't make me happy. Right. You know what I mean? And, 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 and that if it feels too much like work, then, then it, it, my heart will never be in it. And so what, what I've discovered um, through the losing of this relationship is my biggest problem right now is that I have defined myself by a heartlessness that, that has evolved from the amount of, of things that I have in my life that don't bring me joy. Yes. And it's so easy to do. It sounds like, you know, it sounds like lambs exaggerating or something. So easy to do. I guarantee you at least half of you right now are doing it in some way. Yeah. 100%. You might even, you might even have convinced yourself that the things you're doing are worthwhile and don't get me wrong. They probably are. Like, I don't think any of the things that I do are inherently wastes of time, but you can't do them at the cost of yourself. You just can't do it, you know? And, and, and before you know it, you're going to lose so much more than you realize. Or you may live in resentment for the rest of your life. Who knows? But the, 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 the final conclusion for me in, in the analysis of the relationship and everything that's kind of gone along with it is that the price is never worth it. The price of not pursuing at least some sense of joy in your life is never worth it. Otherwise, you're fighting for content. And that never, ever, that, that never works. <laughs> never, ever works. Um, oh, I've totally, like, my, I just had a complete brain fart. There was something on that I wanted to say, and I forgot. No. Um, oh, there's, there's a certain a point when you're, even you're doing something, you start some, I, I would say that uh, most of us, hopefully, uh, in some way, we start things because of the joy. Um, but we get, there's um, a concept in some of these self-help circles that is actually a really good concept. It's um, the idea between, um, shit, what is, there's, there's attachment and I can't remember what the other one is. I'll say purpose because it works just fine. Um, attachment and purpose. So we can, we end up confusing the two. And what those mean is, um, say, for example, your purpose, your meaning, your reason is, uh, we'll, we'll use your political um, life, for example, is to make the world a better place. Sure. And in order to make the world a better place, you end up taking on, um, I have to be here Tuesday at this time. I need to do this every Wednesday. I need to read the news every day for an hour. I need to do this. And maybe maybe those are all important, right? Um, but what happens is you get so wrapped up in those things, and this can apply to social media too. Um, you get so wrapped up into those things, you get attached to them. 
and you start thinking that those things are the important thing, and then the change in the world part gets forgotten because these things are in the way. You know, if you're thinking about it as a line of sight, they're the far object, and these things are closer. So you start thinking, it's so important that I'm there on Tuesday every time. And then you sacrifice other things and you, you, you get so wrapped up in that detail. Are you using my life specifically? I don't know that this is what you do, but... Because you are literally describing <laughs> one of the largest contentions in my life and why it led to the, the horror of my current life. Maybe it's, it's, even, it's even on Tuesday. Maybe it's my inherent um, intuition. I do know that you're reading on Tuesday. But that, that idea of, <laughs> of, of attachment is really easy to do. I'm, I'm reading... One of the other books I'm reading right now is Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way. Um, and one of the things that she brings up in the part that I just read recently that really hit home in a way that I didn't think it was. Um, first of all, it turns out I'm a workaholic. Um, she has a whole bunch of questions in there. And I answered yes to like, I think if there was 20, I answered yes to like 17 of them. Hmm. So what she says is workaholics or, you know, that, that um, I don't know what a, I can't change the tense of that word to fit the way I'm about to say. Being a workaholic is the most common form of creative block. Mm. Because we use these things, these activities, to allow ourselves to be blocked from doing these other things that we're afraid of. Or that, um, you know, whatever your reason is that you're blocked. You use working, being busy as an obstacle. I do well, part, well, part of the problem there too is that um, you lock yourself into things and get trapped in them as well. So once you start the snowballs rolling far enough, then it becomes really difficult to work your way out of being busy. Exactly and, why I feel free. And then the other side of that too is that um, even if you do somehow carve out small niches of time in order to to allow yourself to be creative, it's almost impossible to do that because creating an anxiety is is literally impossible. Yeah, now you're creating in this like tight this tight container that has things pushing against the walls. Yeah, and, and then what you end up doing is just shitting yourself. I just wanted yeah. to say shitting yourself. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you have like a list of things on a piece of paper and you're just waiting to cross them off. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't you laugh if you came over here and I had, you saw I had two browsers open. One had Dynalist with the stuff you can see and the other one was Dynalist of make sure that you say shitting yourself. Oh man, it's almost like we dare ourselves to say certain things in the show. But you're you're definitely right. I think that's why I feel the way I feel because the in in some ways for a while doing the podcast was not fun sure it was a responsibility i had to make sure that i edited this on this day and i had to make sure that i had the episode out at this day at this time and i had to make sure that i make sure you get your your facebook post and your twitter post and your instagram post and make sure okay so i can i can post the, the instagram post on later that that app will do it for me. But then I want to schedule in Facebook because you get higher engagement if you schedule directly in Facebook. And then Twitter, well, you can't do that with Twitter. So I got to use Buffer. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck it all. If you don't want to listen to the show and subscribe, cool. I'm still going to come and do this. And it's because I enjoy it. Mm. 
and that's the the attachment there is you get so wrapped up in, in in this what we're doing here i get so wrapped up in loving it and enjoying it that i want more people to hear it and then i get attached to the idea of people hearing it and forget about the part where i love it yeah. so it becomes about people hearing it and it doesn't come become about me doing it and that yeah. sucks that's why all of a sudden I'm like I could totally if I had a if I had a another co-host um, who was willing to edit and do all the back end for a third show I would do a third show. Sure, because this is what you love. Yeah, and I don't want to fucking edit anymore. And in all honesty, I don't want to edit. <laughs> I don't want to edit what you're listening to right now, people. I hate <laughs> fucking editing. Um, but we don't have the money to pay anybody to do that shit until you guys start <laughs> supporting us. Um, but I would totally do it because I, the talking is fun and having somebody else, it would be a completely different show. Yeah. I mean, we could literally talk about the same shit and it would be a totally different show. And I also get the sense too, that, that for you, a lot, and the reason why you even do creative minds, I mean, it this it's the driving force behind creative minds is because you want to, you want as many different perspectives as possible. <laughs> yeah. Because it's really easy for me. I think for everybody, but I'll only get, absolutely say for me to get caught up in what I think. Sure. And even though talking to people doesn't always change my mind, at least hearing somebody else's perspective, I've thought about it. You know, like I still like after the conversation with Mark about that girl whose name I can't remember that I always mentioned that got shit on by Twitter. I still believe the same thing. I still believe what happened to her was wrong. But I got to see the perspective of how somebody else read that tweet. And that really, at least like, I'm like, oh, that enriched my understanding of this experience. Sure. It's like one of my heroes, and I actually need to pull out this book and reread it because I haven't read it in like 20 years, is St. Thomas Aquinas. Mm. Because what St. Thomas Aquinas did that almost nobody has ever done is he would write the most thorough philosophical argument and then he would turn around and write the most thorough argument against his own statement. Hmm. And that's powerful. That's, that's, that's a powerful, you know, like uh, I was listening to something the other day where they said, you know, uh, if you really believe what you believe, then you shouldn't be threatened by things that challenge it. And I think it was in the context of religion. You know, like if you really believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then nothing anybody says is really going to challenge that. So you shouldn't be threatened by people who don't agree with it. And I thought that was a really wonderful point. You know, that's fascinating because there are definitely certain things in my life that I could give a fuck less what anybody else thinks of them. Right. Yeah. You, know, like, you know, like, um, Thing like Tom Waits, I don't give a shit if anybody in the in the world agrees with me that he's a genius and that I love sure. his music because I'm still going to love it. Or Grinder Man, which is Nick Cave's lesser known band that almost nobody knows about. I love it. I don't care yeah, what nobody if, else knows. If, if someone told me that that Radiohead was terrible, I I, I just wouldn't care. Yeah. Or 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 even from a from an idealistic standpoint, right? There are people who have. Who, who think that humanity is doomed to fail and I 
don't think so. I think humanity will survive and we will find our way out of this. And that's that's such an unshakable belief. It's so weird. And to be clear, we're not talking about being bullheaded. That's very yeah. different. No, no, no. Yeah, totally different. I mean, I'm willing to argue it for days, yeah. but I'm not. But but the idea of it itself is never threatened in my yes. own mind. Great way to say it. Yeah, because there's a difference between saying this is what I believe and I don't give a shit. Fuck you. Fuck your idea. Fuck your idea. Because I know what I believe. That's being an asshole. Yeah, that's just being an asshole. <laughs> and everybody knows how I feel about assholes and the asshole factor. Oh man. But. When you are really confident, when you're truly confident in a belief in something, like Lamb said, I will argue with somebody for days about something like that. I'll still walk away going, I'm going to go home and listen to, you know, Blood Money, Tom Waits album. Well, beyond being able to argue it for days, I think you become the best version of what we're describing when you can see it from their perspective and understand why they would disagree with you, but still be unshakable in your belief. Yeah, it, it only strengthens your understanding of something being oh sure absolutely you know it makes me me realize why i like it more what people the the thing that people have really difficulty with um when it comes to having their books edited is they think that i was just listening to my friend um she's a professional book editor she used to be a professional book um book agent and one of the things she was saying she's like i'm gonna be harsh in my criticism of your book because i want it to be better She's like, I don't take on a project because I want to fuck your book up and make it bad. Mm-hmm. She's like, I am trying to strengthen it. So I'm showing you where the holes are. And people have trouble with that because they want it to be right. Sure. And it's the same thing with arguments. When you, when you don't want to discuss something with somebody, it's because you want to be right. It's not about believing. You're actually believing you're right. It's wanting to be right. Well, I think both you and I have had that experience in our past too of, of you know, um, this is why you and I don't inherently edit other people's, well, not edit, edit but critique other people's work um, because most people aren't looking for an actual critique. They're looking for validation. Right. And some people aren't prepared for for that because there's a certain preparation you need in the sense that like if I, if, if somebody gives me... Um, their work and they say can you just like tell me what you think you know like well, how can i make this better or whatever i'm not going to tell you how you can make it better because i can't tell you how you're going to make it better mm-hmm. i'm going to tell you how i would write it sure and you as the author have to be able to take in what i say and go yes no no yes because you know in your soul how this book should be and when i give you certain things even when it's difficult, sometimes you don't want to agree with something, but you know it because you know, you're like, yes, that will make this better. And that is what I'm trying to do. But you, that's why I don't like doing it because most people aren't capable of doing that. Yeah, most people aren't capable of that. I mean, I forget who I read it somewhere at some point, but I, I God, who said it? Maybe Neil Gaiman. I mean, it's possible it's Neil Gaiman. But basically what, what the person said was the best writers are usually the best listeners. And and there's no place where that's more true than what we're talking about. I mean, I'm not asking you to write it my way. I'm just telling you that if it were me, this is how I would see it, and this is how I would write it. Right. You know what what you choose to do do with those ideas or, or concepts is is up to you as a writer. And if you're a skilled writer, you'll take in you'll take in the critique, 
understand where it's coming from and maybe learn something from it. And perhaps you won't change much, but even if you change a little bit, that was worth what that, that, that experience was, was built for, you know? You know, one of the coolest experiences I've had recently, um, uh, my friend Dave Prez, he wrote a screenplay um, and then he had a reading party where everybody went over and everybody kind of, you know, like uh, everybody took on a role of, there's a lot of small roles. So, you know, like you're cop number one and you're this person, you're this person. And we read through the whole thing and that was cool. But what made it especially cool was how he was at the end. I've never in my life seen a writer be like this. And it impressed me so much. He said, everybody tell me what you think. And he was not closed off in any way, completely open to everything everybody said and wanted to make sure he understood exactly what they meant. Damn, that's hardcore, man. And I mean, and we found holes. Uh, there's always going to be holes when you write something by yourself, right? You know, like, sure. for example, I said, you know, like, oh, this, this person is this age. I don't think they'd use this word because it wouldn't be in their vocabulary. Okay. Wrote it down. Next thing. Boom. Boom. Um, even to big things, you know, like, oh, you know what? You did this here. But when we got to here, I was completely dissat- I wasn't satisfied the way that you wanted to achieve that. So your, your ending didn't make me feel that way. Okay. Well, how, how do you think that we could do that? And it was just so incredible. Imagine wow. if we were all like that with our ideas. <laughs> you know, like imagine, you know, like if you had, uh, when you, usually like you see these like debates, you know, like um, creationists versus um, um, atheists or whatever, right? They're going to have this debate and it's just two people fucking slinging facts and shit at each other, right? It's usually sure. a mixture of the two. Imagine if they interacted like that. I think this. Well, you know what? Um, you you say you believe you believe this this book to be completely um, absolute. Everything in it is true. So how come in this case you don't take this as fact and you don't? You know what? That's a good point. I am curious about that. I wonder why those things don't those things pass right by me. But I, I'm so concerned with these ones. Because well, I guarantee you two people that went into that would come out stronger in what they believe. Well, I mean, in, in what you're saying, though, we, we, we defined a lot of why that's not possible in this day and age because our society as we understand it has become so binary that even the idea of, of capitulation on some of these, the acknowledgement of these ideas is already too much, much less the, the, the discussion of these ideas. Because the discussion leaves the door open for the possibility that that idea might be true. Well, I think there's also, there's inherent, and I don't think this is of the modern age. I think this is far back as I think people have had this problem, is that we're overtly concerned with being wrong. Um, it terrifies us. Sure. It, it terrifies all of us to be wrong. So, you know, like... A, it, that's why people, when, when you talk about questions of faith or things or questions of politics, for another example of a highly debated topic, why they get so upset is because really what they're protecting is, it's, 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 I know I say it's about being right, but it really it's, it's more about not being wrong. Um, I'm going to be an idiot if this person proves me wrong. So I'm willing to go this step and I'm willing to go this further to protect myself from being wrong. 
from being a fool. And maybe we just all have to learn to be more comfortable with being wrong. I mean, we, we're wrong all the time on this fucking show. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, what's, what's, what's crazy though is there's times on the other show where I, I don't articulate something the way that I want to. And I listen to it afterwards and I'm like, oh, wow. And I feel that tinge where I'm like, people are going to think. And then I just realize I'm like, oh, I'm worried about being wrong right here. Like in, yep. in the in the episode with Mark at the beginning, we talk about that girl on Twitter. I didn't articulate it well enough. And uh, his argument's stronger in that episode because I didn't articulate my side of it as well as I have here. Um, and I was, uh, I think that maybe that's why I put off editing it for a couple of days because I know I have to sit and listen to myself be wrong while I edit. Oh man, yeah, that's gotta be brutal. I don't know what that experience is like, at least not in the context of what you're talking about where you have control to change it. Like that, I think that that experience for me is very different and very liberating for me when it comes to doing this show with you is that I know the moment I say it, I'm screwed. That's it. Yep, and I, that's kind of probably, maybe that's why I hate editing is because it's not the power I want. Sure. I I just I, I would I would like it to be the same for me too, but I'm like and I don't change things for anybody listening wants to know. I don't, but I could. Mm. You know, and there trust me, I don't want it to, but those thoughts do run through my head. Where I'm like, I could have cut off his response right there. And then it sounds like we both aren't sure. And then I I save face. Or you know, but I think because I didn't articulate that argument so well with him this time when we talked about it i articulated a lot better sure because you've been stewing on it for a while (laughs) totally well not only have you been not have only not only have you been stewing on it but you've been regretting not defining it better and that kind of proves the point of what we've been talking about right now is like and now it's stronger i can explain it better because i I had to fuck up and I bet the next time you explain it, you're going to be even better at it. And and I think that there's 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 a con- there's a quiet confidence to that um, that I think if if I'm if if I can share anything about the demise of my relationship um, in such a way that that will be useful to anybody else, it's it's the idea that I'm going to get better at this. Yes. That I will that I will be better at it next time, that I will be kinder next time, and I will be smarter next time, and I'll be more empathetic next time, and I'll worry much more about finding happiness versus versus finding busyness. You know, all of these things. Like I, I think that that the lessons learned from a lot of what we're talking about, including what you're talking about with the conversation with Angles, is is the the idea that you're you should always be looking to get better. And I know that that's a tough thing to 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 think of in that moment because it 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 forces the very clear acceptance that you did something wrong, that you didn't do it right, or that you did something. In my case, you did something out of fear versus versus progress. Right, and that happens in conversations all the time, <laughs> especially like, "Oh, I said that. Why? Because I was afraid we we're going to go over here." Sure, sure, sure. I feel, I feel like I feel like we don't really do that. And I feel like this is the only place in my life in which I don't have that fear actively. Yeah, I think we've gone into some pretty hairy, hairy areas and done just fine. I thought that that um, the metropolis <laughs> that 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 that. I no, that, I no, I really want the the name of the episode to be hairy areas. Hairy areas. I like it. I'm going to do that one. <laughs> That's so good. What do I care? Um, 
<laughs> we go from asshole factor to hairy areas. Oh, I think we're oh, describing man, an ass good. slowly. <laughs> yeah, what a weird, what a weird progression that is. Good God. Uh, I don't even remember what I was going to say. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a shit. Oh, man, this show is off the rails. It's completely <laughs> off the rails. I, you know, I will agree with you. I, I, this, this feels so much more like a natural conversation, like a radio show conversation than, than any of the other episodes we've had. Yeah, I think it's it, there's something, I don't know what little tiny factor tweaked, but I like it. It's just... I don't know. I, th- I think there's a maybe because I listened to a couple of radio shows. Maybe in some way that sunk into my head. Like I think that's why that's one of the things that I love about last podcast on the left. It's a podcast, but it sounds like a radio show. They talk over each other all the time, and I just think that that's there's a, there's a little bit of that chaos that feels more natural. Well, I, I think for better or for worse, introducing Dynalist into the equation has made it so that we're explaining less things to each other. Yes. You know what I mean? Like we make more assumptions about what the other person knows. And I think last week's episode, because we had a few things on the list that were shared, I, I jumped in on a few things that you didn't think that I had seen. Yes. And so because of that, there, there's the sense of like, oh, he already knows. Fuck it. Let's just go right into it. So you explain less and we extrapolate more. And I think that's a more fun conversation because nobody wants to listen to bullet points. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I think you're exactly, you nailed it on the head. It's like, oh, okay, so we... This, these are the bullet points, but what we, we're only sharing the bullet points so the audience has any idea what we're talking about. But what we really want to do is all of this stuff that happens afterwards. Oh, yeah. This is the good stuff, man. This yeah. is the meat. Once you know this lamb, once you know this lamb, once you know this lamb, now we can talk about that. Yeah, now we're getting somewhere. Sure. Yeah, that's a damn good point. Um, you know, there's one other thing I forgot to mention <laughs> that's worth maybe a good place to start um, uh, loading the gun for the end of this episode. Um, so I did, um, I mentioned that um, I'm killing the social media apps. I'm, I'm doing it slowly. Um, I created a post for each platform, individual for each platform and said, you know, goodbye. Um, each one, a unique explanation as to why I was leaving. I mean, all the same reason, but worded differently. You know, so it's not just copied and pasted. Um, but here's my favorite part. And I wasn't sure it would work. I got those fuckers to let me pay to boost those posts. Are you serious? I boosted the post about how I'm leaving Instagram. I boosted the post on... (laughs) That's how fucking money hungry they are, is they will take money for somebody posting, boosting a post about talking shit about their platform. That is absolutely hilarious. The only reason I didn't do it with Twitter was is because I don't know if you know this, but there's a fifty dollar minimum to advertise with Twitter. Holy shit! No, I didn't I'm know like, that. I don't care that much. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, maybe we can do the, the like. Remember the old furniture stores in in the eighties and nineties when they would just say going out of business sale, but they'd be around and active for like four years. Yeah. <laughs> Cleared sale number seven. Yeah. Exactly. These things have got to, got to go. Got, got to go. Last chance for three years. <laughs> I'm the credit man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Going back. Going back, my friend. Uh, yeah, I'd like this. Let's keep doing this. This is good. This is good. Yeah. Dynalist has, has unintentionally become the greatest thing that's ever happened to the show. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between those two binaries. We don't have social media anymore. You've heard me mention it many times. Guess what that means? The only way anybody's going to fucking find out about this show is you. So basically, I've offloaded the burden onto you. 
So please, for the love of God, help us keep doing this by telling other people about the show. Yes, spread this show. Sometimes we get a little serious. Sometimes we get a little serious and then a little goofy. Hopefully the tone of this episode is most episodes because this makes me feel happy, makes Lamb feel happy. And I'm pretty sure one of you is touching yourself right now. (laughs) And you know, beyond that too, don't just share the show because you like it. Share it because you don't like it. Yeah. Share, because, yeah. share because it challenges you or infuriates you. <laughs> listen to these two assholes. Yeah, listen to these guys. These fucking morons, they're always wrong. Oh, man. just I'm, I'm going to drink more. I think that's how my night's going to be defined right now. Is I'm just going <laughs> to see if I can get... I can slowly drift off into oblivion like the writers and artists of old. Chad is uh, removing himself from the world and Lamb is becoming an alcoholic. Perfect. This is like right. a telenovela. Yeah, or you're becoming Nick Cave, and I'm turning into to, to Charles Bukowski. <laughs> <laughs> All right, people. So um, go to the website too. You know, support, please, please. Um, but sharing right now is probably more important than the support because we want to grow. Um, I, I have all this time now. I don't have to play those fucking you know double click, double click the fucking star games anymore. So who knows what the fuck I'm going to do. Um, so the more fuel you feed into this fire, you know, I guess the more you're going to get burned. Bad metaphor. Fuck. Yeah, but but great accidental alliteration, though. Mm. At least something good came out of it. Yeah, so you lost one and gained another one. So you won somehow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, gonna put this I, one. I'm just going to say this right now. I love this episode already. I don't even know what the hell it sounds like yet. And I already love it. <laughs> Me too. So we're going to load the gun now. I'm going to put in just one bullet. And we're going to shoot this in the foot. So come back next week. Who knows? We might show up at some other time. Earlier. <laughs> Who knows? If Lamb gets drunk in the middle of the week, maybe we'll record another episode. Yeah, just some some random stupor episode, like 20 minutes long of just me slurring into a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to read me something off of BuzzFeed. I'm going to read you Don Quixote drunk. That's going to be awesome. That's another thing. Oh, we'll talk about this afterwards. Anyways. Um, <laughs> okay, Lamb, what's your challenge? Um, I'm going to take, with an actual camera, uh, I'm going to take five pictures a day, every day, until we do the next episode. Wow. And then you're going to put them on your website for everybody, right? Absolutely. Okay. Um, my challenge is, uh, and this is a challenge of patience. And if you know me, this is a big challenge. I've announced that I'm deleting the social media apps. My challenge is to not do it. <laughs> in other words, in other words, to not do it until a month has been up. But since it's only a week from now, for the next week to not get impatient and decide, fuck it, I'll just delete them today. That's my challenge. Huh, interesting. I actually, I actually think you'll have a hard time with that one. I totally will. I totally will. Because now that I've announced it, I'm like, man, what the fuck's the point? <laughs> Oh, man. We love you guys. Bye, babies. Bye.